0: Well, welcome to the show. This This is Our View from from the Bench. Bench. Well,
1: welcome to the show. I'm Brendan, Jason Kelsey's luchador mask and I'm Corey, confetti pickup guy from the Super Bowl and happy monday post Super Bowl monday we made it through all it, it is a happy monday i would wholeheartedly agree
0: uh as um, you know many people know i was rooting for the chiefs so it was it is quite a happy monday um we didn't quite hit our parlay but yeah. uh, we weren't that off to be honest with you so
1: not too bad not too bad i mean i would liked to win not too winning.
0: bad but... <laughs> True, true. And, dang, you got a double whammy. You lost to your grandma, too. I know.
1: I'm 40 bucks in the debt to her, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: all right. Take her out to a nice dinner or bring a nice dinner over or something like that. I'm right actually now.
1: doing that, I think, next week. That's my plan, to go over there and have lunch with her. So, no problem. Sweet. There you go. There you go. Uh Yeah, so, I mean, obviously,
0: watch watched Super Bowl was yesterday. Besides that, <clears throat> how was your weekend?
1: Uh, not too bad. Friday night was offspring night for the Ducks, and we were slammed. I would have – it. Uh, To me, it felt like we were working a playoff game, but we haven't done that in like five or six years, so (laughs) it was a a new change of pace for some of our staff members who hadn't been there since then. But uh, made a lot of money, sold a lot of stuff. Uh, They did ultimately. Did they even win on Friday? I don't even remember if they won or lost. We were so busy of just that business stuff, I didn't even think about it. Um, But I did get an email Saturday morning from our director saying that everybody, like high up executives, had nothing but rave reviews for us and everything we did. So that's good to hear. And then lost 5 3. Okay. See, there we didn't see, it doesn't even matter. We were so busy, I didn't even realize what the score was. <laughs> um, and then Saturday, I worked that Bronco concert we talked about last mm-hmm. week, which was a waste of my time. Yeah, you were, I told me it was a
0: nightmare, bro. Ugh,
1: it was when you got an hour and less before doors open to get the merch counted and ready, which is not the worst thing when it's only a couple buckets, but then the guy doesn't tell you the prices until after the doors open. Not the best start to the situation. It's got to be rough. Can we I buy this? It. How much is this shirt? I don't know. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got that taken care of and in and out of there. But I think I was there. I got there at 430, but I got out by like 130. So not not too bad of a day compared to normal concerts. Uh, and then, yeah, yesterday was just uh, chilling, watching the game. I have to admit that first half was pretty boring and kind of might have nodded off a little bit. But that's because of the late night before. But was yeah. ready for the second <laughs> half and overtime, which we'll get into more as we uh, continue on. But, yeah, other than that, not a whole lot, sir. What about you? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean that's pretty much all I did yesterday. Uh, Laffy came over. We hung out and watched the game. Me and the wifey as well. And uh, Saturday I was like just busy to be honest with you. I was like going here, going there, hit the gym, took the dogs on a walk, gave the dogs a bath, cleaned up the house. I was just like super busy. Like so busy I literally fell asleep on the couch before my wife even got home from work. She gets off at 6 o'clock. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's only like 30 minutes away. So she was home by like 6.30, 7 o'clock and I was – Done, uh, but it made sure that I was ready for Sunday. We still got up early again, went to church, got some food, <clears throat> then took another nap because I was just tired. Don't blame you. And then the game started, so it was uh, it was pretty
1: cool. Pretty cool. And one positive of the game starting at three thirty, you still have a good chunk of day in the morning to kind of nap or whatever you need to do to get ready yeah exactly get a bunch of stuff
0: done so luckily we weren't throwing a too big of a party we ran to the store just before the game started to pick up a couple snacks some fruit and some cookies and chips just something to kind of like you know it's fun to like munch on stuff while you're watching the game so absolutely yeah so it was a good time good time and uh you know even better time because the team i was rooting for won so but make it better before we get into all the super Bowl stuff. If you're not already, don't forget to subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so you never miss any one of our new episodes. Um it's f- completely free to do. It literally costs you, what, maybe one to two seconds of your entire life. And, and zero uh, you know, yeah, it's zero dollars and it completely helps us out. And as we always ask, man, I mean, if you like what you're watching, smash, smash that like button. Always
1: smash, smash that like button.
0: Smash the like button for us. Also free. Also one to two seconds of your life. So Hook a brothers up. You know what I mean? If you like what you see, tell us. Tell us. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, might as well just get right freaking into it, dude. It was, uh, it was a phenomenal Super Bowl 58. Um, I kind of liked everything. I want to give you, like, before we get into the X's and O's and all that kind of stuff, I enjoyed the – as much as people may not like it, Pat McAfee liked it because he's a, a special teams guy. He likes the punting and the field goals and all the <laughs> extra teams uh, – extra. Uh, Special teams, extra stuff. Um, but I kind of like it, too, especially the way we watch NBA now. It's just a, uh, a walkway to the basket. It's kind of nice seeing something called defense be played, you know, albeit in a different sport. Uh, still still was nice to see. Um, it was kind of just like that nice back and forth. Both teams were very prepared. Niners came out with a ton of energy. So that was kind of cool to watch. The halftime show I thought was pretty cool as well. What did you, I mean, we kind of grew up in the Usher era. He started just a tad before us, but we kind of grew up into that era. So I knew a bunch of the songs as well. I know you were excited when he took his shirt off, right?
1: Oh, of course. That's my favorite part. <laughs> had the rollerblading around. As, uh, and like, dude, that was
0: kind of impressive,
1: I, to be honest I, with you. I don't even know. I did not expect that at all. I didn't know he could even rollerblade, so yeah, that was uh, quite a quite a spectacle to watch. And you know, it was cool to have little John and Ludacris there at the end to close out with, yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, her did yeah. really well. Uh, Alicia Keys Ooh, had a good her, spot, sure. <laughs> uh, and then I think it was Jermaine Dupree that was there as well. I mean, just, yes. If, although I didn't recognize, was it Will I Am? I didn't even not know who that was until they put his name on the screen. Whatever he was wearing, I did not recognize him one bit. But the Black Eyed Peas haven't been around for a while, so I guess that's not that weird. True
0: yeah no it was it was definitely pretty good um i liked the i liked the show um uh, so yeah, it was kind of cool um it was just uh interesting to see all of it together it came it- actually kind of worked out well like it started on the field then he moved to the stage. Be honest with you though i think the the rollerblading dude that's pretty ballsy man like I understand you have to practice a lot, and you you know you're prepared for that. But if anything goes wrong, literally the whole world is watching. So yeah. I yes. give him props for getting out there and like st- not just standing on the skates. like he was out there like doing some. I mean, not doing backflips or anything, but you know what I mean. Like he was doing some stuff. So I give him props to kind of doing that. That was that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think the, the the funniest photo I think I saw on Twitter after was the picture of him just like sweating and drenched. But, I mean, you have to do a lot of stuff in a, what is 18, 19 minutes that he has to perform. And yeah. the fact that he can get on skates in the middle of all that and skate around, I mean, that's, again, preparedness and a lot of practice going into that. So hats off, hats off to Usher and all the guys and girls that uh, put in that show.
0: Yeah, it was a great show. Lafayette actually told me before we get on to the actual football part, apparently he follows Usher, and he had been seeing Usher doing a lot of skating recently. He's like, why the hell is he all of a sudden getting into skating? So when it comes on the show, he's like, oh my gosh, this is why he's been skating so much? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny to see Lafayette kind of connect the dots on that. So uh, yeah, apparently he's been, he's been rigorously practicing, because again, one mistake and you are forever a meme on the internet. Uh, yeah. Especially when the entire world is watching on such a stage like the Super Bowl. So, uh, but overall, good show and a second overtime uh, Super Bowl we've ever seen. And in my opinion, both the teams I was rooting for won in overtime. That's so true. it was, uh, you know, it was a great, uh, and unfortunately they were playing against the same person in essence. So um, you know, kind of <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that part, <laughs> but it ended, it ended exactly kind of how I was hoping. And it was a nice close game throughout. So um, why don't we kind of break into it? Let me, give me some of your, you know, first, uh, first impressions, uh, anything that you kind of remember from the game that stuck out.
1: Well, like you mentioned, both teams came prepared, obviously having the extra week in between to get every, get a game plan ready. The Niners definitely had more energy to start with, but if you think about it, it's kind of the nutshell of a, of their season for the chiefs. Like they just struggled early, but they, they hung in there. Their defense played really well. Spags obviously had them very prepared. There was a few times there even late in the game, especially where Chris Jones had like a, just a walking lane to go to Purdy or like had to force a bad throw by him because of it. And, you know, I know the first thing everybody talked about or was going to mention is, like, Purdy can't win the... I don't think Purdy did anything wrong. He he played a great game. Yeah. He did exactly within their system what they expected him to do. Uh, he lost Debo at one point for a couple plays with the hamstring. I was su- surprised he came back because he literally pulled his own hamstring with nobody touching him and near him, so that was a little right. worrisome initially. Um, but, yeah, just Christian McCaffrey did well, not as well as I had hoped. Um, you know, that fumble early, again, it's just... Very ugly first half. The ten zero lead for the Niners was it felt like twenty to nothing at the time because the Chiefs just yeah the way they not, were playing hundred percent. Oh, the Chiefs just looked like they were in molasses out there. Just everything was not working slow. Uh, you know, not catching anything. And then the, obviously when Pacheco had the the fumble, there was that oh. uh, viral moment in the sense of Kelsey going over to Andy Reid like I should have been in there putting that block, and it may not have happened. Um, You could see, you know, Pat Mahomes, even though he is the GOAT, you could see him a little frustrated early in the first half, and especially at that point when Pacheco, because, you know, that play before, that deep, like, Beautiful
0: bomb. Yeah. yeah, 52
1: yards, dude. And you thought, okay, here's the Chiefs. They're going to wake up. And then Pacheco turns the ball over, and it completely kind of got them off their their side. So I don't know. But overall, it was just a a good game, uh, especially, like you said, once we got past halftime, and the interception by Mahomes there at the early third. Uh, It was basically a great game from then on, but the first half was <clears> all 49ers and a couple moments that they really could have gotten a stranglehold on it and unfortunately did not take advantage. Yeah, we got a lot
0: to talk about. I have a couple things that I want to go over, but I'd love to talk about that that uh Reed-Kelsey uh, nudge. Um I do think that Kelsey meant to come over as he did as he did. I don't think he meant to... Put... Can you imagine if he fucking, like, knocked him over, bro, Dude, and, like, something I, like, happened? He got, like, hurt or something? He had to, like, I been in the locker room or something. You know what I mean? Like, I mean <laughs> well, from a chair. To... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just, like, just luckily that he, you know, didn't nudge him too hard. Um, But, you know, there was plenty of talk about how, you know, that's kind of just how the relationship is. And Kelsey understands – or, I'm sorry, Reed understands that it's from a point of frustration in the fact that he wants to help, not – Frustration with Andy in any way, shape, or form. He just wants to be out there. And that's kind of what Andy wants. You know, Andy yeah. wants players who want it, you know? And uh, yeah. so, you know, obviously one, one catch, one yard in the first half goes off for nine more catches or eight more catches, I believe, uh, and for like 90 something yards in the second half and, and some clutch ones as well, obviously, yeah. in, the, in the stretches there of the fourth quarter and overtime. So, uh, you know, he, he basically got his point across like, bro. Because, you know, kind of like what you said, he felt like he wasn't necessarily going to have the ball on that run play, no. obviously. But he felt like he would have stuck the block better than Noah Gray did. Mm. Um, and, and that would have not led to, to the second defender coming over to force the ball loose on, on Isaiah. So Exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of want to also touch on what you said about Brock. I think Brock did good. I think Brock did good. Uh, but the problem is you're playing Patrick Mahomes. So in order to beat him, you need to be great. You know, and that's not that's not a knock on Brock Purdy. That's just saying there's there's different levels to this. Brock played really good, um, but against against the goat, you have to be great. And there those few instances, like the one you mentioned when Chris Jones was rushed, where you know I'm not saying anybody could do anything with that, but I but I told you, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago before we started that, I think Patrick Mahomes might have gotten a little bit closer to that corner receiver to give him a chance, as opposed to it being way over Juwan Jennings' uh, head. So but you know he's definitely not the one to blame no, um not at they all. both they both did work on the defensive side san francisco this is probably the best defensive game they played all year they got tired at the end uh, because who wouldn't after like 70 plays or something like that yeah 80, that's almost a lot of plays play. But other than that, man, they were on it, and I would say that they were the collective MVP, but definitely Nick Bosa, and the way that he played the game plan, he didn't overstretch, he kept Patrick Mahomes in the box, there was like one or two plays where he went in instead of going out and ensuring to keep him in that pocket, but other than that, he didn't force his sack numbers, he didn't force anything, he was a monster. Uh, but he was able to kind of still contain in that in the game plan. And I think Steve Wilkes did a great job. Again, man, you just it's it's one of those like I mean, oh darn, we lost to Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean?
1: Like that's absolutely What do you do? What do you do? I, I don't know what you can do. They did like you said, they played great, uh obviously losing Greenlaw in the second quarter there to not even on the field, which is the worst Dude, I was so confused I feel was so, so bad. Like, yeah, I was so confused They're like greenlaws down i 'm like he wasn't even like what he wasn 't even on the field. How did he get hurt, and they showed the replay of him basically celebrating like the stop that they got and then running out onto the field to play and just going down with no contact, and at that point, you knew it was probably an Achilles because usually those non contact injuries are the worst ones. Uh, was never able to come back. And then I don't know if that ultimately is what decided the game because the Niners were still in it. Their defense played great regardless of him being out there the whole second half. But you got to think and wonder, like, man, that could have been something that the Niners were missing late in the, in the game for sure.
0: Yeah, we talked about it too a little bit before the game. At least I mentioned it, and I believe you kind of agree with me in that. In today's day and age, especially in the passing era, linebackers are – are not not important, but they're less impactful than I would say rushers and corners. You yeah. know what I mean? People who are putting pressure on the quarterback and people who are trying to stop the guys they're throwing it to. You. So, and that's exactly what you saw because from the Chiefs' perspective, they don't have linebackers that we know, right? They got Willie Gay, but other than that, we don't. They don't have linebackers that we know. No. The only people we know are. Chris Jones on the line, and then maybe Willie Gay, if you've been paying attention. Other than that, it was Snead and McDuffie doing work yeah, McDuffie in, the, in, the, in the backfield. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Yeah, Snead did have a, you know less than uh, a below-average game by his standards at least, uh, giving up the touchdown to Jawan Jennings where he – I mean he could have tackled him at the five, and he just didn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the stupid – the st- like, bro, I don't care what he's doing. To slap the guy, to slap Ayuk across the face mask for a fifteen yard, like right the ref. He's looking. He's making right eye contact there. with the ref when he did it. Yeah, he's just like stupid play, stupid play. So McDuffie was definitely the MVP of the of the defensive backs. You know the the secondary, and then Chris Jones just doing what Chris Jones does. The whole game was was nuts. It was just great, just great. It was a great overall game, honestly. So. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, MVP. He went 34-46, literally only 12 incompletions on 46 passes. That's great. And one of them was to the other team. Uh, 333 yards, but the 66 rushing yards are what was the most vital, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, all you, you need all 333 of those throwing yards as well. You barely won, but uh, still. Um, becomes the one of three players to have three Super Bowl rings and uh, three MVPs, not even two.
1: Three Super Bowl MVPs, but oh, two yeah, three Super Bowl MVPs. MVPs. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah yeah so yeah, great. just uh just a great overall game. Um, there was a couple things that i I thought were interesting. I want your opinion on this. maybe you could go into it a little bit more. The overtime rules. you know you were talking about how you know yeah. this the whole quote unquote Josh Allen rule and giving giving everybody, especially in the playoffs, a lot more overtime time, I guess you can say. the difference between what Kansas City knew and what San Francisco knew, aye, that was not great, right?
1: No, especially when you get players afterwards. Kyle Juchek was one of them, I think, uh, mentioned after the game, like, oh, yeah, I thought if we went down and scored a touchdown in overtime, we won. I didn't realize the rules to change, which these rules changed multiple. Like, it didn't just happen this past offseason. That Allen <laughs> and KC AFC title game was like three years ago. So it's definitely yeah. been something that's now it hasn't happened or put, put into effect since the rules came into, into place. But it wasn't a secret that that was the case now. My only thing with the rules, though, is if as we figured out yesterday, that even if Kansas City, because you and I both talked about last night when we were on here, if Kansas City did not seem in a hurry to try to score before the end of the overtime, like I was like, dude, call a timeout. The clock is ticking. What are you doing? But they explained Mm -hmm. that the way the new rules work, that there's it does not matter if the overtime clock runs out. Kansas City has to finish their possession regardless of what they do with it. So there technically would have been a second overtime that would have started. And if they mm-hmm. would have scored only the field goal, then we go to sudden death at that point, which I thought was very interesting. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what the Niners, how, did, how, yeah. do, how was the coaching staff not aware? And Andy Reid knew exactly what they were doing. He did credit. I can't remember who he said that was on the coaching staff that went over and found all the details of the overtime rules. But because of that, they, as a, as a coaching staff and as a team, knew exactly what they were going to do. Pat Mahomes talked about it today during his interview on Sports Center from Disneyland, that if the Niners would have gone down and scored a touchdown and got the extra point, Kansas City was going to go down and score a touchdown. And instead of going for an extra and tying and then making it a sudden death game, which the rules is what they are now, they were going to go for two and either win it on that or they were going to lose. They were not going to put the ball back in the 49ers' hands and let them decide the game. They were going to let Pat Mahomes decide the game, which is ultimately what you should do. My only thing, though, with the new rules like this, if it doesn't matter if you don't score before the clock runs out and it starts another quarter, why are we even having a game clock? Why should there should just be a, a play clock at that point? Because right?
0: maybe sense. they're trying to do. I know you. You completely make sense. The only thing that I would say is they're trying to differentiate themselves from college. Now, granted, I understand oh, college also starts on the opposing field. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean I, that's a that's a great point. That's a very good point. Although there have been overtime games where nobody scores, right? And then True. it just ends in a tie. Well, that's regular season, obviously. You don't end the Super Bowl
1: in a tie. But <laughs> yeah, guys, you're bad. <laughs> oh my lord. Dude, all right.
0: Well you guys kind of both win, so we'll great get, job. <laughs> this
1: is great. We'll just get another trophy made. You guys can each have one. <laughs> That'd be nuts. That'd
0: be nuts. But yeah, to your point, of all the players, they had they had actual meetings where players would come up and recite rules for the overtime game players knew not just some of the coaching staff not the players knew there were some different rules they knew the rules and i completely agree with you there's only one person that i want i don't care how good the defense is playing and they were lights out dude because san francisco was on point Mm -hmm. kyle shanahan was calling a great great game but steve pagnola was right there with him uh so i mean it was a great back and forth battle but there's nobody i want the ball with more than Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I'm going for two. I'm going for two, three times if it if it turns out to be like the Lions uh Cowboys game where the penalty and then hit penalty and the more penalty, I'm going every single time I'm going for two. You just you just gotta give it to, to Patrick. So um yeah it was a it was a great one. It was a great one. I have five kind of like key moments and I put them in an order of importance um as far as like what happened uh in my opinion. I have very similar list as you go so that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So, so I'm going to start with what my opinion was the most important play of the game. It's just under the two minute warning. The Niners have the ball and they're driving. They're already on the chief side of the field. Um, it's third down third and four, I believe. And Brock Purdy drops back to pass. And in a complete disguise, Trent McDuffie blitzes uh, on Purdy's the side that he's actually looking towards. Uh, but he was disguised the whole time as a, as a cover guy. And he gets to the quarterback immediately. Uh, and was able to kind of jump up and kind of deflect the ball for an incomplete pass. If they complete that, there's only two timeouts that the Chiefs have in pocket because they mm. had to use one when they were backed up. Uh, you know, they're on like four yard line earlier in the third or the fourth quarter. they only two. They're basically in, in best case scenario for Kansas City. Moody hits a field goal. You got 25 seconds, no timeout. Now, granted. We've seen Patrick Mahomes need 13 seconds and no time. (laughs) But but, you know, it's still it's still a thing where, you know, Super Bowl and the way that, you know, this Niners defense was playing, they weren't really giving up that many yards too easily. I mean, it did take forty six pass attempts and thirty four completions for for him to hit three hundred and thirty three yards, and fifty two of them were on one pass alone. That was in the first. So I thought that was huge. I thought that was huge. The next one, in my opinion, do you agree that, that was like probably one of the best, one of the biggest, if not <laughs> the, the biggest
1: and play? Yeah. And, and like you talked about, Spags had the ble- the best play drawn up to, and to make him not even noticeable. He was, like you said, looking like he was in a cover situation and he just kind of slowly snuck to the left. And as soon as they snapped the ball, he just took off. And as soon as Purdy had the ball and looked up, he had no choice but to throw that ball. Otherwise he took the sack and then even possibly knocks him out of field goal range. Not that Mooney couldn't have made it. He did make a 55-yarder, I think, earlier, which at the time was a record until, what, two hours yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, not um, even. I was like, yeah, but or, yeah. At the point is he had to rush that play and couldn't get where he wanted to because, like you said, if he completes that pass, at that point, they're just wasting the clock out, kicking a field goal, and hopefully walking away with a win. So that, that was a huge turning point. I could not agree more. Yeah.
0: The next one I do have is actually, we're going to get to Moody. I, I don't necessarily, I'll I'll put it on him, but it was an extra point, bro. You're close. You yeah. don't need longevity. Go for height over distance. Yep. The block PAT, the block PAT changes the entire game. Instead okay. of the Chiefs needing to go down and, and score a touchdown, four. yeah, they only have to kick a field goal to tie it and and they end up doing so obviously so i think that was huge a lot of people are gonna gonna go over it to me it's what set up all the other big moments you know what i mean like without that moment you may not have all of the others so i thought that one was big
1: yeah Uh, if you think about it if that pat does not get blocked and they're up four and kansas city goes down at the end of the fourth quarter now they did have six seconds left they could have taken another shot at the end zone they would have had to take Mm -hmm. two if that was the case and they were down four and so Maybe they, we don't even go to overtime. So that's a huge turning point. And like you said, why are you kicking it so low when you're just kicking an extra point? You're not kicking the 55 yarder you kicked earlier in the game where you need the longevity right. to get over the, the post. This is mm-hmm. just a chip shot in a sense. And again, get it up and over the line. Don't give them an opportunity to block it or have an opportunity uh, like at all. Like Don't even give them the reach or an, a possibility. But yeah, the way he kicked it, uh, unfortunately uh, for him, but fortunately for the Chiefs, was able to get a, a hand on it and knock it down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The third biggest one, and this is again, set up by some of the uh, previous ones was Chris Jones. I I would call it a blitz, but he was really just unblocked. Dude, um, no and that was the, the, uh, the overtime possession for the Niners when they drove right down the fricking field and they made it look easy. Christian McCaffrey was chunking them. Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey was lights out, 80 yards receiving, 80 yards rushing. Dude was the the best Niners player on the field. Um in my opinion, kind of hands down. All the other weapons were bottled up. Kittle had four yards, I think, two catches for like four yards. Debo... Was I think he had three catches on eleven targets, or something like crazy? McDuffie was all over him. Ayuk had some decent plays. He did get open, but nothing, nothing backbreaking. But the Chris Jones blitz was huge. He gets right and exactly what he did to Josh Allen by pushing, you know, his lineman back into him, threw him off, and has to throw the incompletion in the end zone uh, as they're trying to go and win slash tie the game, which of course wide right happened. <laughs> 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 Woohoo! Um, but yeah, that was huge. Him him getting free i guess you could say even though he was free from the start how do you don't i I, again i don't i'm not a football connoisseur but how you don't block that guy yes just beyond me dude i I don't i mean i understand okay i cover this guy the next guy's got this guy and i'm sure that guy's like okay that guy's got that guy and chris jones is like all right well i'll get brock then
1: (laughs) yeah right and it's it's you know you talk about these five points you have one of them too i think and correct me if i'm wrong is that same drive in overtime when frisco was down back at their own uh, side of the field and it was third and i think 13 same thing they blitzed and he had no, birdie had no chance in order to throw it to somebody that was open but they got that uh, defensive holding which gave them a yep. first down and extended the drive cuz that would have put fourth down and and over 10 which you're not taking you're not going for it on fourth at that point you're punting it back to Kansas City and all they need to do at that point is come down kick a field goal to win the game and we're not even talking about this crazy back and forth and overtime so another turning point is that third down getting that defensive hold, which I get it. He did grab him in the sense it that did. he's crossing apart. So I get the call. It's not a bad call. And I didn't think we talked about last week. Did you, did the chiefs have the referees on their side? No. I, thought, I thought the refs did a great job. I think it was six penalties on each side. There was no controversial. Oh my God. I can't believe they called. It. I mean, the chiefs even got an intentional grounding one, which even then, the I dude that was, guy was close, bro. Gene Steratore, or whatever his name is, the old ref that's their like analyst guy, came on and said, I don't know if I would have called that. He was kind of coming back, and he was near the play or the, or the ball ended, but I could see why they called it because it didn't quite get to the line of scrimmage again. But then overall, the refereeing was fine. There was no controversial, yeah. oh, my God, what were they thinking on that call? I thought it was yeah. pretty fair across the board.
0: Yeah, I agree. They had good no calls because there was some like Debo's first deep touchdown attempt where mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Sneeder McDuffie was on him. They He was kind of holding his arm a little bit, but there's so much going on. It yeah. was a good, in my opinion, it was a good no call. It shouldn't have been offensive, shouldn't have been defensive, should have been nothing. Uh, but I, yeah, great, great, uh, great point. The, I think the referee was on on par and in no way did it favor either team, to be honest with you. I think it was just a fairly called game, so that was mm-hmm. good. My fourth point, as most uh, uh, impressive or key moments or plays, was basically just Patrick Mahomes at the end of regulation and overtime. Uh, he was he was insane in overtime. He was eight of eight and accounted for sixty, I think sixty two of the seventy five yards, whether that be passing or throwing. So I think Pacheco got thirteen yards, and I think that was only on two plays. So uh, he was just lights out. Um, great. They ran the same play that they won the Super Bowl on before. They just did it on the other side. But the way that they had this angle is more like Skycam kind of, but it was like really behind the line of scrimmage. It was more towards like eye level instead of like above. And you can kind of see when I think it was Orlovsky or somebody was kind of breaking it down after the after the show. You can see Hardman break in and you can see how the defense would then shift responsibilities because you're assuming that he's running to the other side. So as soon as the responsibilities shift, he cuts over. And is a free runner because, well, responsibility shift. That's not my guy. That's mm-hmm. – oh, wait, no. That is supposed to be my guy. With the play action, he sold Bosa on it because Bosa was – Bosa beat his guy pretty much every fucking play, dude. Yes. Nick Bosa was a monster. Props to Nick, dude. That guy killed it yesterday. So he sold the bite on McKinnon run, and he was able to wrap around. And, I mean, he literally – and Kelsey took the safety deep in the end zone because you got to watch freaking Jason – or Travis Kelsey. He's freaking the, the guy, right?
1: Dude, and it was my just favorite it was perfectly part of, set up. My favorite part of Kelsey on that, on that run too, as soon as he runs straight in because he knows it's not coming to him, the play is drawn up to go onto the right side. He realizes the guy comes to him, and he knows he's wide open. He doesn't even look over there. He looks straight up into the scoreboard. He sees that Hardman caught the ball, and he just puts his hands up like, yes, we did it. I knew it. He was going to be open. Had no, no, no play. Nothing to do with that play. Just knew it was going to happen. Do my job. Focus on what I need to do and bring that guy towards me and leave him to go. Worked out exactly as they planned. Yeah,
0: yeah. Great, great. So I thought Patrick Mahomes was just outstanding, as he was. He did you know, throw his first interception in a long time, but that's on the Niners to convert. You don't even get a field goal out of that. You turn the guy over. You don't even get a field goal out of that. That's just bad. That's just bad. Yep. Last last one that I obviously have. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. The last one that I have is pretty obvious. I don't really fault anybody except on the recovery portion. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, number three, um, the punt returner for the, for the Niners literally points out and says, move. I'm not catching the ball. Get the heck out of the way. So he's doing his job. It. With the worst luck ever, bounces off the nice. heel of one of his players. But the stupid thing is, is that you try to pick it up and do something with it. The age-old saying, and I've never even played, you know, football at a high level. I've maybe some flag, right? Mm-hmm. Is fall on the ball. It doesn't really yep. matter if you get two yards or if you lose two more yards. It doesn't. It has. It does no bearing. As long as you have possession, you're good. And the Chiefs scored the first touchdown of the the game – their first touchdown of the game, sorry – off the very next play. So that was probably the fifth one, in my opinion, um, because it just changed momentum
1: a lot. Oh, big time. Completely turned it upside down. Like you said, Kansas City, again, had struggled. They had three points at half. They come out in the first drive of the third quarter, and Mahomes – tries to pitch it to uh, Pacheco. They drop it, so he and gets it back. Again, drops down on the ball, does not try to pick it up and do something else. Smart. Then he throws the interception. Again, the Niners get nothing out of it, so then you end up punting away, and even though the Niners were going to have the ball inside their own 20 at that point, again, fall on the ball if it get tipped. Do not try to create something out of nothing. Keep <clears> possession. <throat> when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, they always say in the NFL, you can tell who wins the game by looking at the turnovers on the scoreboard, score sheet. That's the, the main factor that usually decides who ultimately wins the game. And again, especially in a very like close game, you know yeah. what I mean? Like these two teams are, are evenly matched. Yeah. So completely. And to let that again, but all the momentum, they go on one play they scored touchdown. Now Kansas city's like, okay, we've hung around long enough. Now we're in this, we have an opportunity, even though the Niners came back later and still took a lead. But again, they missed the extra point. You still feel like, ah, man, you guys didn't, you didn't cut the throat of them. You left them alive and hanging around again. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it made them pay.
0: Yeah, I forgot who it was. I think it was Orlovsky. He says, you can't – you got to take him, and then if you got to put him out to the shed, you got to shoot him. And yeah. then you got to go back, and you got to double-check the dead, and then double-check one more time, triple-check to make sure – actually, I think it was Mark Sanchez on the call today. He was just breaking it down like, dude, this is the team that you can't kind of be in front. You can't kind of have a lead. And now Patrick Mahomes has you know trailed by 10 or more points in all four Super Bowls, and he's won three of them. So <laughs> the only one he didn't was to this gentleman here in this jersey, Bucks. Bucks Chiefs saved me. He lost 31-9, so it wasn't really that close. Uh, but other than that, he's come back from 10 down each time. Each time, and two of them against the uh against Green the Niners. Niners so yeah, in Shanahan. So it's just uh, you know, one of those one of those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, either other than that, it was a great game. I was gonna have a lot more to say depending on how this went, <clears throat> but I will get into it a little bit because I've been waiting to kind of talk about I've it, but I wanted to make that. sure that they actually <laughs> lost first. Okay. The one of the reasons why I actually am rooting besides my mother, love you mom, against the Niners is because of their fans. There's actually nobody on this team that I dislike. I think Nick Bosa is great. I love that they have uh, a great Plethora of defensive talent. Fred Warner seems awesome. Uh, they got Chase Young, Eric Armstead. I know he's a. I know he's super big in the community. Really big community service kind of guy. So all their players seem nice. Got great weapons. Christian McCaffrey seems awesome. Brock Purdy. As much as I talk about C.J. Stroud, he's not as loud and voiceless about it. If you ask him about it, he's strong in his faith too. So I give him props for for talking to that, uh, talking to the media about that kind of stuff. But I was rooting against them mostly because of their fans. Their fans think that the Niners are just the greatest fucking thing since sliced bread. Mm. And, and don't get me wrong, they are very good. But there's another team whose fans irritate everybody who think that their team is just the greatest since sliced bread. And that's the Cowboys. And everybody shits on the Cowboys, myself included. Because, oh, man, you guys, every week, every year, you guys think it'd be so good. You know, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. And then what do you guys do? You choke. You don't win shit. You guys haven't won since 1995. (laughs) Corey, you know who hasn't won since 1994? I think the 90s. year earlier. (laughs) Yeah, it's the fucking San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm not going to put them on the same exact boat, but they're in the same pond. How about that? They have a little bit nicer boat. Okay, then the Cowboys do because, granted, they've been to three Super Bowls in that time. They've lost all three, you know, one of them to Tom Brady, the GOAT, one of them to Kansas City, the second GOAT, and then again to Kansas City, the same guy that they lost to the first time. So
1: do not like too, they're... they did lose to the Ravens when they had Kaepernick as well, so
0: oh yeah true 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 i'm sorry i'm confusing them i'm confusing uh shanahan's losses yeah so you <laughs> lost to, you lost to, you lost to the to the ravens and the brother bowl i know the lights went out but uh but still um so you know you, you lost three you made three but you lost them all do, do you think they're gonna hang we made it to the super bowl but lost banners
1: nope they are one of those franchises that only holds up the championship banners just like the lakers do in the nba and the celtics you don't put division titles up you don't put conference titles up It is literally all about the ultimate goal, which is winning the Super Bowl. And again, they fall short. And now you have to think, too, is this window that the Niners had closing or is it still slightly open? I think we talked about it last night when we were on here that as of now, Vegas has them as the favorites to win next year, of course, because Vegas always has the next championship picked out ahead of time to go in free agency or a draft or anything. But it will be interesting to see what John Lynch does and how they go about this and Ultimately, I mean, how many more chances does Shanahan get? Now, his dad was there very similar as a coach, as an assistant. They went to the Super Bowl a couple of times in Denver and lost, ultimately got over the hump and won back-to-back. Hopefully that's what happens for his son, but who knows, man. I just I don't know how many more years you're going to be able to keep this team together. Eventually that tax bill is going to come for the Niners. They can't keep paying all these guys and being under the cap. At some point, they're going to have to pay the bill, and that's kind of like what the Rams did after they won their Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. 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 That's a great, great comparison. Last part about the Cowboys. And then I want to touch touch on Shanahan. So the Cowboys over the, I'm going over the past like 10 years. Okay. So obviously I'm going back 30 years from saying they haven't won a Super Bowl, but no, let's go to 10 years. In the past 10 years, the Niners have made the playoffs four times. The Cowboys have made the playoffs six times. Wow. This is where I'll give the 49ers the edge and why they're on a different boat, just on the same pond. In those only four times, the Cowboys, the Niners have won eight playoff games. The Cowboys have only won three. Ugh. But again, what is the playoffs for? You're all playing for just playoff wins, or you're, is there something at the end that we're all kind of going for?
1: Yep, you are correct, sir. There is an the all-championship. all going. And in
0: the past 30 years, I think they've won the same exact amount about that franchise that they talk shit about, and that is zero well we have had more opportunities okay hang up we had lots of opportunities banner go ahead and hang that one up <laughs> nobody cares nobody cares unless you actually get it done so i'm just ready for the niners fans to shut the fuck up and just be fans they're they're the only ones who say like oh were they? now granted the chiefs maybe our fans are like that too because well they win. they win um and you know patriots fans were like that but that that was also because they win. So the only team that I know that people complain about are the Cowboys. Well, you know what? I'm going to start complaining about these Niner fans. They're all, oh, we're the best, we're the best, I haven't won shit. Okay? So get over it. <laughs> to to, to kind of add to that, there's not like maybe three or four coaches – and only two that I can think of off the top of my head that I would take over Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches in the NFL, a brilliant offensive mind. And it's really only Andy Reid and a toss-up between Sean McVay maybe that I'm like thinking, yeah, this is who I'm going with. Sean McVay is is a top three coach. Agree or disagree?
1: Could not agree more. And Reid is the top of the mountain right now, having now his third Super Bowl championship. McVay has already won one and been to two. And I mean, the one he lost was to Belichick and Brady when they were on their last run as the Patriots winning a title. So there's nothing to argue there. And I'm with you. Shanahan is a great coach. And unfortunately, sometimes just things don't bounce your way. It's not even necessarily now the overtime rules thing. That might've been something that came back to bite him, but because yeah. we'll give him shit for that, but he can't control the punt getting hit off of his guy's heel. When the guy doesn't even know where the ball is in the air. Cause he's t- trying to do a block. Like sometimes yeah. things just happen and the luck just doesn't bounce your way. And unfortunately for Shanahan, that has happened as a coach twice as in the Super Bowl. And once as a coordinator when his team was up 28 3 in Atlantis. And that one's just the again, you played against Brady and you played against Mahomes twice. Those are the two, as we talk about at this point, the two greatest quarterbacks in the history of the league as at this moment. And it's hard to argue that you just sometimes get bad matchups and luck just doesn't bounce your way.
0: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But he's a, he's a great coach. He'll be, they'll be around for a while. The, the only thing that is, you know, troublesome for them is, is finding a quarterback that they're going to have to pay. If they're just going to be cycling through rookies as the quarterback, that might be what's holding them back. They need a franchise quarterback, and maybe it is Brock Purdy. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not Brock Purdy. To me, I think he, he played a good game. But I do kind of think this is his ceiling. You know, he, He's in one of the best systems with one of the best coordinators. Now, granted, you could say the same thing about Mahomes, but Mahomes overcomes a lot. If you give Patrick Mahomes, let's just say you switch offenses, at least weapons. Oh my gosh. I think, I think, I think this game is over early.
1: If, if Pat Mahomes had Iuk, Debo, Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, like not that Kelsey's not great at his position. Yeah, Kelsey is way better. But other yeah. than that, the Niners on paper again, had all the players, the, the names, the big names, the big money. They had seven, all pros more than any other team in football this year. The Niners should have won this game. if you look at it on paper, but again, that's why they play the game. And Mahomes does more with less just like Brady used to do. We talked about this before. Brady would have in the six Super Bowls he won in New England and one in Tampa. The only constant he had in a couple of those was Gronk on the last couple in Mm -hmm. New England and one in Tampa. Other than that, it was always a new cast of characters, running back. It did not matter. The defense was a big part of it, the first three he had when he was a younger quarterback. But again, Mahomes, this was the best defense he's had in any of the four Super Bowl appearances he had. And they still won the game, and they played great. And Mahomes ultimately, again, the cold-blooded killer in the NFL, man. You cannot give him the last say or the last drive in a game that's in a one-possession um, game. It's just it, it's just you can't do it. You, you can't stop. No, ask, ask
0: a litany of NFL quarterbacks. Ask Josh Allen about that a couple times. Ask Joe Burrow about that. Ask Lamar Jackson about that. Ask now Brock Purdy about that. He just does it. To, ask Jalen Hurts about it last year just he just does it just and it's crazy because
1: it, so. we talked about it before now that it's completed he's only got three losses in the playoffs in his six years as the starter one to brady in a super bowl one to brady in an afc title game and one to burrow which you know even, an AFC even, title game. even brady lost to manning once or twice in the playoffs in an afc title game or all you know the ravens the year that they went on to win the super bowl like it's gonna happen occasionally you're not gonna be perfect but Man, when he's there, it's hard to, it's hard to go against him. And, and if I'm a betting guy, I can't bet against him anymore. It has to be until I see him lose a game with my own eyes, I can't bet against yep. him. I just can't.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree more. Well, speaking of eyes, man, this was a huge game. I mean, I don't know if it was the 52 seconds of Taylor Swift that we got on the screen <laughs> or what, but uh, most watched telecast in history, 49ers Chiefs was huge. 123.4 million viewers across all platforms. Ooh. um that is just that's a lot of people watching i was one of them of course what's crazy too is that's like kind of a guesstimate right i mean you have a couple tvs on and you can kind of guess who's tuned in but how many people are at that tv you know so there's, how only, many, there's three people at mine well
1: parties yeah. or, a, or a, a bar or a, you know i'm sure vegas had all kinds of watch parties and you only have a couple tvs but you've got hundreds of people there watching it so yeah the numbers are astronomical and i think i heard today something uh i was listening to mason ireland and they said that the most watched telecast of all history of TV is the moon landing back in the sixties. And it was like between 130 and 150 million. This drew 123 and change that is massive. Like it's just, and again, if you're CBS, man, if you're, you gotta be just stoked that you had Pat Mahomes and the best team, the best quarterback in the game in his prime. I mean, he's only 28. He's going to, if he continues to do this and they can, I mean, Kelsey's getting a little older, so at that point, I don't know how much many more years he has, but he's definitely come back next year, so they can possibly oh, get a yeah, threepeat. And if they even get an opportunity to get in the playoffs <laughs> this year, don't count them out on getting that repeat or at least being in the Super Bowl and have an opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah, I do think that they need to improve the weapons. Rishi Rice was great. Mikael Hardman and and Vantes. Uh, uh, wait, wait, oh my gosh, what
1: did I think of his name? Montez Scantley is his last name, right? Is yeah,
0: about? yeah, yeah. Valdez, Valdez, Valdez Scantley. Scantley. That's it. Marquez Valdez Scantley. That's who it was. I'm sorry. I was like, I'm saying it wrong. I don't know what is right, but I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> they, were, they were helpful, right? Don't get me wrong. Obviously, Kelsey is the main guy. Uh, Rishi Rice stepped up a lot this year. In fact, there was a play where he was open for the win. That back shoulder fade uh, the, at the end of regulation uh, before they kicked the field goal to tie it to go to overtime. Rishi Rice had was wide open in the middle of the field. Wide open. They showed a replay because Romo called it because they kind of Went to the sideline and were wondering why Rashi Rice was arguing with Patrick freaking Mahomes mm-hmm. and Mahomes or, or Tony Romo was like eh, I think racy was Rasheed was open and they were he was kind of mad that he didn't see him and he kind of forced the ball to to uh, Kelsey to Kelsey
1: but again uh,
0: and they showed a replay and he, he was fucking wide open but, yeah but again, I mean again I don't know the Mahomes view and all this kind of stuff yeah but.
1: but also the fact that they go to the sideline and Rasheed Rice and him kind of going back and forth it's the same thing as Kelsey going up to Reed earlier in the game that shows that they care. They're paying attention to detail. They want to win this yeah. game. It's not just like, Oh, well, I was open. He didn't get like, he's letting him know like, bro, I was there. We could have ended this game, but Mahomes is able to keep him calm at the end of it. They go into overtime. He gets that big uh, catch across to the field to get the yeah, down. So still mm-hmm. worked out for Rasheed and get, and got to be involved in the game winning drive. But again, they care, they want to win. And you can see it by that, by, by the fact that they get on the sideline and, you know That's just sports, man. If you're, if you're a competitive, ego, egotistical person, which you are, and you have to be to get to this level. In a good way. Yeah, I know. In a good way. You have to be to get to this level. You can't just be like, oh, I kind of like football and I want to play. Like You have to think I am the best at my position and I'm going to beat everybody and everything they throw at me. I think it's a good thing to, to have guys on your team that think that way.
0: Yeah, I think Pat Mahomes respected it a lot. Uh oh, um, yeah. and that's why he kept feeding him. And that's why I don't, you know, and that's why you don't, you know, have these weird divisions where you're just thinking like, oh well, then I don't want to throw it to you anymore if you're gonna come yeah. yell at me. Like, no, no. Mahomes just wants to win. It doesn't really matter who he's sending it sending it to. Absolutely. Um and the game winner was with McColl. It was it was crazy. I think you you have uh, a clip of Pat telling a story about this, right? Oh, this
1: is great. So after the game is over, well, even it's before we play the clip, just think about you're watching the game winning play. When Harman catches that pass. He just kind of holds the ball up in the air like, yeah, I caught a touchdown. And he <laughs> caught touchdown. Woo. It almost looks like he doesn't realize that they just won until Pat starts running over to him. And then he kind of jumps in the air. And the story that Pat's about to tell that we're going to show you kind of confirms that. And it's hilarious. Patrick hey, Mahomes. Can I tell a quick, quick funny story? Please. <laughs> I threw a touchdown to this dude at the end of the game. And he looked at me, I said, and he had no idea. I said, dude, we just won the Super Bowl. Like, no, no, and he he, he, said he blacked said out. He had no idea. I was like, bro, because he, he didn't even celebrate at the beginning. I'm like, what are we doing? Hey, well, <laughs> I think you were talking about, okay, yeah, it's time to celebrate now.
0: Yeah, I guess he just just blacked <laughs> out. Just blacked out. I saw another clip um, of like Mahomes mic'd up where he's running up to, he's like, we're world champs, baby, we're world champs. And Hardman's like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, shoot.
1: The funniest part is it's not like Hardman hasn't done this before. He was on the team last year. I know we'll go yeah. to another clip here in a second where he wasn't on the team when the season started. But he's been there before with Mahomes, and they won before. Now, not in this fashion on a game winner, so I guess it's a little different. But it's just funny to me that he just like held the ball like, yeah, we, I got the touchdown. What, what's next? Like, What are we doing? And then they're like, no, it's over. We won, man. It, this is it. We're the champs.
0: Yeah. And the two best pass catchers uh, from whatever, especially the media, but even the eyes would tell you, Travis Kelsey, Rishi Rice, zero touchdowns. The two people everyone said were question marks, Valdez Scantling and Michael Hardman. The touchdown. the touchdown, the only touchdown to keep the minute and the game winning touchdown was to Hardman. I mean, Mahomes, you can't make it up. Mahomes is is just makes people better. Like like you referenced earlier, but make it Danny Amendola into a household name. But that from Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, yep. who's a great player, but no one ever thought he was going to amount to be the guy that he became. You know what no, I mean? Absolutely. So yeah, plenty and plenty of talent that uh, that he's turning up, and uh, yeah, this McCole Hardman. Jet story is crazy, right?
1: Yeah. So he, I didn't realize he wasn't on the team when the season started because, again, he had been there before. So I just assumed he came back and was on the same team. But he signed a free agent deal to go to New York and play with the Jets this year and Aaron Rodgers and have an opportunity to, you know, see what they could do. But before their season started, during their training camp, they were in hard knocks and this mentalist guy that goes around to different teams and kind of does these trippy things to get you guys really thinking that he knows like the future almost. Had Hardman up in front of the team in a, in a meeting and explained, like, I'm going to have you pick who you think you're going to play in the Super Bowl. He might have been right, but maybe not with the right team. So let's go ahead and check that out. Can we make it to
0: the Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, All right, pictures, take a step forward. I don't want you to go back. you've got a crystal ball in your hand.
1: You see the future. Tell us, who do you see the Jets
0: playing in this year's Super Bowl?
1: Say, 49ers. I'm putting you on the spot here. We're going to win. We know we're going to win.
0: What's the final sport going to be? 31-21. Yeah,
1: because when all the pieces come together in a season, it can be absolute perfection,
0: folks. Because that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the <laughs> and the 49ers. 31-21. That's <laughs> crazy. Hey, that's
1: crazy.
0: Okay, when I see videos of that dude, <laughs> that fool is very trippy, dude. Like, I, I, I know the magic and all this kind of stuff. I'm sure there's a trick about it. But he does stuff that you're just like, Wait, what, bro? I, I thought that was crazy. One note, though, quick before you. What was the difference between the scores? 31-21. That's 10. That's Patrick Mahomes' favorite number to be down in a Super Bowl.
1: Dead. Dang, I didn't even think about that part. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's, that's a really cool clip. He had on the Jets before he was traded the entire season. I think he got traded early. Yeah, uh, it was especially like Especially because Aaron Rodgers. Eight. Yeah, okay. Especially since Aaron Rodgers went down. He had one catch for six yards. That was his
1: entire Jets career. Oh man. Well, thank God he came back to Kansas city and they obviously knew that bringing him back into the fold he knows the system, knows how to play with Pat. It would pay off ultimately did. But the, like you said, the crazy part is, is he was on a different team, picked Niners and Jets in the super bowl, got the Niners part, right? He just happened to be on the chiefs on a different team and got the game winning catch. And maybe that's part of the reason he blacked out. He just realized, I don't even know what happened right now. (laughs) Like, it's just something crazy to think about. Um, Again, it's Hardman and them, they get the title and they get to walk off. And just another OT, like you talked about, the second time in Super Bowl history, we get to see an OT game and walk off (sighs) winner.
0: It was great. I was stressed the whole time because the Niners (laughs) did look really, really good. And again, two reasons. One, I just don't want to hear the Niner crap. Us being in L.A., um, two things. One, a lot of people come down. From North Cal, moved downhill. It's a little, it's a little nicer weather. They get a lot of rain up there. It's kind of cold sometimes. Uh, but two, there was a moment in time where LA didn't have a team. So a lot of people exactly. who kind of grew up here just adopted either like the Raiders or you like the Niners. And while well, the Raiders sucked for a long time, so um, you know a lot of people kind of adopted, I guess you could say, being Niners fans. So there's just yeah. a ton of them here. But uh, yeah, I was nervous, man. They were, they were looking good. They were looking good.
1: Yeah, you mentioned I'm happy the Niners. Happy in the have a lot of fans down here because you know the rams left in 94 actually funny note my dad took me it was on christmas eve i would have been 94 i think to the last rams game played in la which technically was at angel stadium at the time so my first nfl game was the redskins and rams christmas eve and the rams lost their final home game before they left ultimately to st louis and then came back but again during that time the niners just won the super bowl the cowboys had won so the niners the cowboys and raiders because they had been in la and left Everybody in this, and really our age range, because we were basically 9 or 10 years old by that, all that kind of started happening,
0: mm-hmm.
1: became Niners fans and then took over the world. That's why every time the Rams and Niners play at SoFi, there's a ton of red in that stadium, and I'm sure Rams fans absolutely hate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, they got the last laugh this year. So yeah. I know that, uh, I know that. I, I mean, you could be fans of both, I guess, but you, you're pretty much, in my opinion, you're pretty much hating on the team that's in the division, not, uh, not rooting them on.
1: Yeah, you're one of the other.
0: Like you with the Colts.
1: Oh, I'll never root for the Colts. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Well, it was a great it was a great Super Bowl. I'm already looking forward to the season next year. To be honest with you, uh, NFL has definitely become my favorite sport. It used to be like my second or third behind baseball and basketball. Uh, I just haven't been keeping up with baseball as much. They're finally changing the rules to make it more interesting. And In the basketball, they just stopped playing defense and stuff. So football is definitely my new favorite sport. And when you when I start learning all the intricacies of football, it's just uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to see the back and forth battle. I think it was. Um, Mark Sanchez, who kind of said it today on, on the Colin show, or maybe it was Colin himself, it was really art piece, man. It was art that was in the Super Bowl. If, if you're thinking about it from more than just big guys throwing a football around, mm-hmm. like – the the strategy that has to go in, the the planning and getting setting up plays, what you do at the beginning of a game that sets you up for the end of the game. Kansas City was looking bad, man, but they still saved their best plays for when it mattered the most. You know what I mean? They don't give up on the thing. You keep sticking to the script. And even the Niners did the same thing. So it was just it was masterful to see, you know, the Shanahan offense against Spagnola, the Reed offense against I, I see Wilkes against the Wilkes defense in his first year as the defensive coordinator, by ad add. Um, so not a defensive coordinator. He's, he's been with defense before, but you know, for the Niners this year. So it's, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I thought it was really good. So uh, happy, but yeah, excited for 2024 season.
1: Yeah, and Vegas already has the odds. Like we said, the Niners are favored to win it again, or, well, win it in general. They're favored again. I should say not favored to win again, but favored against all odds, though. I was just going to say, against all odds, (laughs) they have no bulletin board material to go into the season next year. I don't know what they're going to come up with now, but against all odds, they are favored to come back and possibly win it next year.
0: Yeah, Chiefs are second. Um, looks like Vegas is already putting bulletin board material up in Kansas City. Say, said, yeah, 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 we get you just one. We get you our underdogs in every round except the first round when you play the Dolphins at home. But we still think that you guys just won't do it. Now, a lot of it could be just banking that no one has ever won three Super Bowls in a row.
1: Back. But uh, I don't know. I think Pat Mahomes might take that personally. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> But even though nobody's ever won three in a row, I mean, we did see the Bills in the early '90s go to four in a row, just not win any of them. So it's not impossible to get to a third straight. And the fact that they've already won two of them, they could. And if they okay, if they get there and win three in a row and four in like six or seven years or whatever it is with all with five appearances, just mind blowing. I think if that happens, I would put Mahomes equal to Brady. I mean, it's already. I think if you're looking at the total rings, obviously Brady has the advantage there. But if you're looking about the individual and their ability, I think Mahomes kind of already is because he can move out of the pocket. He can run. He does a lot of things that Brady never could do because that's not the game he plays or not how Mm -hmm. his body is built. But yeah, if you're looking at the overall GOAT winning in most titles, it's hard to go against Brady at this moment. But I think individually what they can do on the field, I think Mahomes is already better to be honest
0: yeah individually sure this is the only thing that i would say to that um one picked 199th true compared to nobody believed in him people andy reed traded up to go get patrick mahomes because they believed in him that's good. number two you get andy reed and i'm not saying that he i want him to go away i'm not saying i doubt patrick mahomes will ever leave kansas city but if patrick could do it with somebody else like brady was able to do Those are two differentiating things. And the third one is as much as Patrick Mahomes has come back from 10 three times – has anybody come back from, I don't know, let's say 25 down in the third <laughs> quarter? Yeah, that is a good point. You have me there. <laughs> so that's the only three kind of notes because otherwise I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, in fact, the only other jersey I will probably own besides this one is sometime I'm going to buy a Patrick Mahomes Chiefs jersey because, as you know, I like dynasties. I don't get tied to a certain team. I root for the Cardinals, uh, but there's not really much to root for, right? So at yeah. the end of the day, I just kind of want to root for – I like dynasties. It is what it is, so um yeah exciting exciting i think we have one more bit of nfl news right well i was we'll gonna get, say uh, you, you found something else
1: 2024 season we're already excited about it and we know that the chiefs will be hosting thursday night football when it starts because they're the defending champs and hosting up their uh, banner but the other thing we know is is that friday night they're gonna do for the first time uh is gonna be the nfl is gonna have a game in uh was it spain or brazil 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 okay so they're gonna have a game Paulo, in brazil yeah. Uh, It's going to be the Eagles hosting. We're not sure who they're going to be hosting yet. We'll figure that out. But then it also was announced over the weekend that in 2025, they will be having their first game played in Spain at the stadium and home of Real Madrid soccer. So continuing to grow the sport internationally, I would think the Jaguars might be playing in the game. They just seem to be playing every game overseas at this point, because they have Mm -hmm. no fans at home and their stadium's not very nice. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just another note that we found over the weekend, they will be going in 2025 to Spain for the first time. Bro, I can't imagine. So I I hope there's like a a football
0: atmosphere where there's just insane amounts of chanting where you just see like just large sections all just in full color and just like, oh, it's going to be be legit. I think that's cool. I think it's cool. Especially in Real Madrid.
1: Sheesh. Right? That's That's a big thing right there. That's a big thing.
0: Unfortunately, that's why I'm rocking this. We do have to lay rest to football. We're gonna have some fun stuff. Obviously, training camp knows that'll be coming out. Any sort of other free agency signings over the next uh few months and stuff like that. But the draft obviously is gonna be coming up. I think that's like April or so. So mm-hmm. there's plenty to still talk about in football. The NFL makes sure that they're always uh, you know, something to talk about there. Uh but unfortunately we're gonna have to kind of lay it to rest for a little bit because it's officially baseball season, man. We're starting to get into it. We're not gonna get into baseball yet. We have some other notes on football, uh, and, and it's in college actually. Uh, some of the some crazy happenings over the past couple of weeks. One of offenses. them is, yeah, th- yeah, that's pretty much it. There's not too much uh, movement of players, at least none that's like extremely notable. Because sometimes we don't even really know who those people are. You yeah, know? You Besides, people not committing to Alabama because uh, <laughs> Saban's out. Uh, but we're going to start with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is actually going to be the new head coach at Boston College. He was originally named the Buckeyes, Ohio State's offensive coordinator under uh, Ryan Day uh, just mid-January because it was uh, after the season, you know, Ohio State. Did they make it? No, they didn't make it. That's right. Okay. No, I don't think Um, so. (laughs) But it was Michigan that did. Yeah, they took on the chip. Anyways, he now uh, is not going to be that, and he's going to be taking over the vacancy that we previously announced uh, for Jeff Hafley, who is moving on to be the defensive coordinator for the Packers. He's kind of wanted to get out. Of the NFL, uh, Bill O'Brien is looking to kind of get into his second stint,
1: right? Yeah, it'll give him an opportunity. I mean, we know he college, coached. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Second stint in college. He coached Penn State, but he took over at Penn State after the Joe Paterno situation was kind of unfolded. And at that point, they were in sanctions, and there wasn't really a whole lot they could do. They weren't expected to win. Not the greatest situation. Uh, he was the head coach of the Texans at one point, took them to the playoffs. So he's coached at the, both levels as far as being a head coach. as an opportunity. He's originally from Massachusetts. So he's going home and back to where he uh, started as a kid. And obviously he worked with the Patriots as well. So he knows the area very well. Um, Gives him an opportunity to kind of rebuild his own uh, resume and not have to be just under Belichick in New England. And it is kind of weird going to, you know, Ohio State in mid-January and then deciding a month later, like, nah, I'm good, I'm going to go. But again, to have an opportunity to be a head coach, I think is something that you have to, if you really want to do it, you have to take advantage of any opportunity that arises. And this is the opportunity that came. And because of that, there's another, obviously, opening at Ohio State, which becomes Chip Kelly's new job. Chip Kelly has decided to leave UCLA, who is in the Big Ten now, technically, and go be the offensive coordinator for Ohio State, who's in the Big Ten. So it's a very weird situation, Uh, I feel like. I don't don't quite see. and, And again, it's so late in the year, too, at this point. Like, you already did all your recruiting for UCLA, and now a month and a half after or two months later after the windows open, you're just leaving them high high and dry. I just, I don't know, it's a really weird situation. I know him and Ryan Day have a history because he worked for him. He worked, uh, Ryan Day was on Kelly's staff back when he was coaching in the NFL for the Eagles and the 49ers. So there is a connection there, but I just think it's kind of weird that he's leaving UCLA in the same conference and taking a pay cut and a job demotion in a sense to go to another team in the same conference.
0: The only thing I can think of is that the people of UCLA, it being a public school that is not one – not that Ohio State's not, but it's coming from the Pac-12. There's not a shit ton of funding I think that's really going into this. I know a lot of it is booster independent, and having to compete with the schools that not only that we're in, like the USC's, the Oregon's, and the Washington's, shoot, even some of the Arizona and now Colorado – Yeah. In Pac 12, having to go and try to keep up with Ohio State and Michigan and some of those other big schools, along with SC coming over as well, it's just, it'd be hard. I think that he's just not getting, you know, what he needs out of that. What that is, I don't know. I think there might be a little bit more to the story that we don't know. Um, But I think it's a good opportunity for him. He gets to kind of focus on one side of the ball and (laughs) focus on the game as opposed to what we've talked about before in some previous episodes. Is the circus? I guess you can call it that. College football has become with all this NIL stuff. Again, Corey and I are pro athletes getting paid. Absolutely. Corey and I are also pro ability to transfer, but it's really created a a haphazard environment for for the NCAA football regime, and it's just making it really tough on coaches, as we've seen. So, um, I think it's I think it's something to look into. Real quick though, for the Bill O'Brien stuff, I didn't get to say sorry. He's going to the ACC, which you know it hasn't really looked great. Florida yep. State was the best school there. Uh granted they were undefeated but they didn't really have that great of a of a of a season. They got blown out obviously by Georgia in their in their bowl game. That's I think it's just a really good opportunity. Yeah, really seriously. <laughs> I think it's just a good opportunity to have cuz I think Bill O'Brien's actually a pretty good coach. Um to take that Penn State team that you mentioned at 15 and 9 uh, and then, you know, turn around a Texan squad that had basically been in the dump since they were started, right? With, uh, with that team. Now, yeah, granted, he had freaking Deshaun Watson, but I think that's a really good opportunity for Bill. So, um, but moving moving back to, to UCLA, I just uh, I think it's going to be awesome. I, he has uh, plenty of weapons. They always seem to have a good quarterback. I know um, they technically lost the one that they had uh, to a transfer, but they always seem to be ready. They always seem to be ready. And having him be able to focus on, just the offensive side of the football, maybe kind of bring some energy back to him. Um, and maybe from there, because he'll do well, maybe the year after or two years from now, he'll get the NFL call again and uh, maybe see what he can do.
1: Also, don't be shocked if Ohio state doesn't have a great start and Ryan Day is already on the hot seat gets fired. And then chip can kind of step in having already had head coaching experience. That could be a little bit. That's a not of- bad. I mean, I doubt that's chip's plan, but no, that but- could
0: be Ohio state's plan. Exactly. That's not bad. That's smart.
1: And you know, now that, I mean, UCLA didn't take very much time to get their coach uh, field, spot filled in. They went ahead and hired their former running – oh, that's a good point. Uh, they then hired <laughs> their former running back who played there, Deshaun Foster. Uh, Foster also served as a team running backs coach between 2017 and of the last year when uh, under Chip Kelly. Uh, there was also talk of not even, I think, two weeks ago he was going to take a coaching position for the running backs coach for the Las Vegas Raiders. But then when your alum, you know, comes at you and has this opportunity to take over and be a head coach. Head coach is nice, yeah. Yeah, and again, he's a younger guy. He's 44. Uh, He spent four seasons at UCLA as a player from 98 to 2001. He had 3,000 yards rushing and 535 yards receiving as well as 43 touchdowns. So knows the game, knows the school. Uh, They did have the players. uh, I don't know if you saw the video today, but there was a video of the, I think it's the AD going into the meeting room with all the football players and saying, here's your new coach. And they did not know who it was. And then when Foster walked in, they blew up an explosion of excitement uh, when a bunch of guys went up and hugged him. So the team is excited to play for him, which I think is a huge step in the right direction. Cause it didn't seem like chip Kelly had a lot of guys in his corner and he wasn't as fun. So maybe Foster kind of re kind of reinvigorates the UCLA program.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's what they need. uh, They need because yeah, they haven't, they haven't been doing great. I mean, the beat SC Two, yeah, I think 3 3 straight years. So that's uh that's always nice for UCLA alum. Uh but USC ain't doing shit either, so it's not uh, not that much of a, you know, a brag I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, plus if you look at it, USC, I think by that time of the year knew they weren't going to be playing in a real bowl game and just kind of lethargic in that whole game and just got their ass whooped essentially. Still not fun to
0: lose, bro. Still not fun to lose to the rival. You don't think Ohio State? Now, granted, Ohio State and Michigan are actually playing for something as two undefeated teams in the Big Ten, being obviously one of the top four playoff spots. But, damn, that's one thing that a lot of people say, yeah, but, you know, I get, yeah, we've been to the final. Yeah, we won. Yeah, no, yeah, but we lost three straight years to Michigan. Like, that's, you know, people hang on that. And I think that uh, maybe that's one of the things. But, I mean, happy for him. Happy to see new coaches coming in, coaches moving around. I'm hoping that, you know, all the players, like you said, kind of uh, love it and take to it, fit in. Uh, but, yeah, new coaches is good. New coaches is good because, as we've seen, a lot of coaches are leaving. Yeah. Um, including the great Nick Saban.
1: Very true. Very true. Yeah. Now he's I, – I wondered what he was going to do because he says he's retiring from coaching. I didn't expect him to necessarily this quickly, but the reports are he is going to join ESPN College Game Day as an analyst on Saturday mornings with their show. Uh, he put out a statement saying that ESPN and College Game Day have played such an important role in the growth of college football. I'm honored to have the opportunity to join the team. I'll do my best to offer additional insights and perspectives to contribute to College Game Day, the ultimate Saturday tradition for college football fans. So,
0: Yeah, th- who wrote that? That sounds so freaking scripted. Jeez. <laughs> I think ESPN wrote it and said, here, say this, Nick. <laughs> but I do agree with him. I mean, I think, I think he's I, – I say that because I've seen – I've never been on the sidelines, obviously, with Nick Saban. But there's plenty of cam reviews of him, and he does not seem like the, I will do my best to offer additional insight. That's not how Nick – what the fuck is (laughs) – what the shit? I I told you to be right there. That seems like the guy So he's going to have to tone it down obviously, but – i mean he's a legend l like capital l so the yeah. uh, having his insight and having his you know point of view was only helpful i actually some of my favorite broadcasters and people on those types of shows are people who have done it you know like i've referenced handful of times leading up to the super bowl ryan clark well yes. he's a great corner i mean i don't know if he's hall of fame worthy but he's. All not, I was said all star. He's pro ball worthy uh, corner or defensive back. So I like hearing it from the people who who did it and did it well. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and not only that, apparently he will obviously do the college game day, but he's going to appear uh, on set for when they do the NFL draft, and then also SEC media days, which again he's from the SEC coming out of there, so completely makes sense that ESPN is going to make him involved with that as well.
0: I think it's going to be great. Not that he won't do great afterwards. That's not what I mean. I'm sure he's going to do fantastic, but it's definitely be great for the first like two, three years because he knows all the fucking players. You know what I'm saying? Not just the ones that he obviously had in Alabama, but he recruited a bunch of people that didn't choose Alabama as well. So he knows from all over the landscape. So it's going to be kind of fun to see where he thinks they might be able to fit and, and what he knows their strengths and weaknesses are. I'm not saying he's going to be putting anybody
1: down. No. Like, oh,
0: this guy sucks. Don't pick him. But um, he'll be able to kind of pinpoint you know what would work and, and where it might work. So that'll be super interesting.
1: Well will also be interesting what he gives an opinion on Alabama and if they get off to a slow start with William DeBow coaching there now. So we'll see how harsh he is on Alabama initially too unless he uh, kind of softens up a little bit for them.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, it's really hard to replace a legend. Um so I'm hoping he doesn't he's not too hard on himself for things like that. Uh it's going to take some time maybe to get everything implemented, so don't be too hard on yourself, man. Don't be too hard on yourself.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned don't be too hard on yourself. That leads me into our next little uh, small segment we've started doing here in this week's quarry mental health minute uh the quote i have for you guys if you're on youtube that you can see up on the screen is taking care of your mental health is an act of self-love and if you want to get more information or you need any help you can get uh in contact with the mental health of america uh, national organization at mhanational.org and a story i wanted to kind of tie into this is we last week clay thompson had been benched in the fourth quarter against the nets and there's video of him after not being too excited about it kind of kicking a chair and obviously you can tell it's taking a toll on him that he's not the player he once was uh, back in 2001 or 21 in November, he was interviewed by NBC Sports California, who covers the Warriors up in the Bay Area. And he talked about, you know, coming back from two injuries back to back, especially, you know, Achilles and ACL, like not just a minor injury, a, a full year long recovery. They were each. so bad, dude. I oh, felt so bad it takes him. terror. It's just a toll on you. Uh, he ta- he mentioned in the interview that it takes great willpower. And on top of that, it takes a great support team around you, friends, family, teammates. That is really important because when you get to in those dark places, you tend to isolate yourself. At least I do. So when you lean on your loved ones and you lean on your own friends, that's what really got me through it, was just spending time with my friends. Uh, he obviously, you know, his straight- and his treated, dog.
0: I know he loves his dog. Yeah, Rocco, I think, <laughs> is the name of the dog, if I remember Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but he stayed true to that. You know, he got benched in Brooklyn and after the game. He was interviewed in the post game, like- You know, how are you feeling about not playing in the last eight minutes of the game? And, you know, he said to go from one of the best players, it's hard for anybody. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've accepted it. You can be mad, but I'm not going to be mad. I'm happy for these young guys. Obviously, we won. It's hard to get wins in this league. So he has learned going through, even though you have tough moments, like you said, like I said, he was kicking a chair and kind of pissed off about not playing in the closing minutes of that game. He has able to take a step back and realize like it's the bigger picture is the team and even the last couple of games on Saturday, they were playing Phoenix. He didn't play the closing minutes in that as well. And I think he started to understand, like, the minutes I do have out there, I need to take advantage of them and do what I can. But when it comes down to it, if I'm not put in the game, I need to not sulk in the corner or be sad. I need to root on my team and my, fr- and my uh, organization. And what's best for the team is best for all of us in the long run. So, again, Clay Thompson just trying to take care of his mentals like we keep talking about, or at least I keep mentioning every couple of weeks here. Take care of yourself and and be selfish in the point at sometimes. Yeah, self love is nice, man. That's good. Thank you for that,
0: man. Thank you. All right. Speaking of uh, Clay Thompson, we're going to move right into the NBA. Uh, We do have stuff to talk about with the Warriors in a moment, but uh, we're going to start off with the hometown team. Well, our hometown team, at least. Spencer Dinwiddie has agreed to a buyout with the Raptors, and he signs with the Los Angeles Lakers one year, one and a half million dollars, bro. Um, I love this because it was addition without subtraction.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: I think he's a legit point guard. Um, he's definitely, especially since I've, I don't even know the guy's name because he doesn't even play anymore. He's from Miami. He played decent, I think, in the finals last year. We were super excited about him, and then he decided to just, you know, be hurt the whole freaking season. Yeah. Dave hey, Vincent basically has missed everything. So having uh, having him back up with Delo, he can come off. He could be on ball. He's best on ball. He could be a little bit off ball. Shoots just about 32, 33% from the three, so about league average. Uh, but he's a great playmaker, passer. And uh, I think this is a great addition for on the low. Absolutely. Know, nice and, cheap.
1: and him and D'Lo, I think, were teammates in Brooklyn together before when they had that playoff run, and D'Lo was an all-star. So there's some continuity there. They're friends. he uh, was at the game on Friday at L.A. In with the Rob. With Rob. Yep. Was in the locker room after, you know, saying what's up to D'Lo and to LeBron and AD, and they all kind of talked him up already. So uh, I think it's a win-win. Like you said, you, you don't have to give up anything to give him. It's only 1.5 for the rest of the season uh hopefully you know we're going to get an update on Vincent Vando Cam Reddish and uh Christie uh, Max Christie after the all-star break which is this weekend so hopefully we get some good news there uh the Vando one is a little more sketchy on what's going to happen but hopefully we get more uh good news on Cam Reddish and Max Christie because I think defensively that could be a big boost to have since we're going to lose Vando for a long period of time it looks like yeah and yeah and Spencer Dinwiddie's a good guard now his numbers are down this year but again he's playing in Brooklyn where they're not really playing for anything I think being in a winning environment and around running players, and he's going to be able to, you know, you got LeBron and AD. You can run a pick and roll with AD, and probably create a lot more than you could in Brooklyn, where you don't have a whole lot of talent compared. So, and he's from LA. He's an LA kid. He went to USC, so he's back home. I think it's a, I think it's a home run for both sides. Yeah,
0: I agree. I liked it. Uh, there wasn't much. I, the main thing that at uh, the trade deadline was I didn't want to give up. Assets. I think we have good players on this team. I think it's just up to the players and darvin Ham to put it together, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, and health and health, exactly. So that's why I felt like not getting rid of players. We need people to come back and and maybe an addition or two and an an additional playmaker. I still would like a big, I don't know if they, you know, if there's gonna be more buyout players. Most of the time that happens pretty quickly because the organization doesn't necessarily want to leave them around. Mm But there could be some more still coming. That's what I would have liked, but well, you know, we got what we got to work with. So, Um, but I think it's a good. I think it's a good addition. We weren't getting Kyle Lowry. He is uh, who we're talking about next uh, because I have one more thing to talk about. I thought it was a, a funny incentive, but I think Dinwiddie is a great. Besides Kyle Lowry, I think he was the best player on the buyout market. Oh yeah, as far as a guard position for sure. Yeah. One last thing about Dinwiddie, and then we'll move on to Lowry, is I saw today that he actually has an incentive in his ch- – so he gets paid $1.5 million, but there's actually some incentives built in, and one of them is if the Lakers win a championship. His incentive – this is what's crazy, bro. This is a huge incentive. It bumps his pay up from $1.5 million to $1.5 million and $1. That's right. If the Lakers win a championship, he gets one extra dollar. Uh, he was actually asked about this weird incentive because – Obviously, one dollar – I mean, one dollar, it barely means anything to me. I would take a dollar, but it barely means anything to me, let alone millionaires, right? Yeah. So he was asked about it, and he basically kind of said it's basically something that him and his agent have decided to put into every contract. Uh, some of them, it might be bigger than others. Like one was with the Wizards. Uh, the Wizards were never going to win a championship. And it was something that is like an inside joke between him and his agent that they always just include in their contracts. So the Lakers obliged and said they will give up one entire Washington if that were to happen. <laughs> Uh, but I thought that was funny. He wants $1 if the Lakers win a
1: championship. Yeah, I don't really get the point of it, but if it's an inside <laughs> joke with him and his agent, then hey, do your thing. Whatever keeps you guys happy and laughing. I just think it's a weird thing because, like you said, mostly incentives are another 100 k or 500 k mm-hmm. or yeah. a million. But I guess mm-hmm. $1, What I guess that motivates you in some weird way or fashion, but everybody's got their own thing of doing it.
0: Exactly. Well, a great example was Baker Mayfield. If his if his team made the playoffs, they got some extra million bucks. That's what he did. He you know, didn't, definitely, definitely wasn't
1: playing for $1. Yeah, I'll tell you I would have gone for the million you know, over the dollar, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if that's what gets you happy and, and gets you laughing, I'll do it.
0: I'll do it.
1: Keeping people happy,
0: that's what Kyle Lowry is doing. He's keeping um, Sixers fans happy in the meantime while they're waiting for uh, Embiid to come back. He agreed to the buyout with the Hornets and has signed with the Sixers for $2.8 million dollars. He's basically from Philly. This is kind of what did it. And then the the cherry on top is, who's the coach for the Sixers again?
1: Yeah, Nick Nurse. Got a little connection. Nick Nurse,
0: right. Who won the championship with the Raptors as the head coach when when Kyle Lowry was on that team? Yeah, Nick Nurse and him got something going on.
1: You mentioned he He went to high school there. He played at Villanova, which is in Philly as well. Uh, Played for the Sixers before. And now you mentioned the connection between him and Nick Nurse in Toronto, having won a title together. I think it just, in a weird way, they're basically replacing Pat Bev, who they traded to Milwaukee, with Lowry. But Lowry is better as far as Way not better. causing issues or getting teased. But he's he does all the dirty, grimy stuff. He takes charges. He knows how to run an offense. And again, without Embiid right now, and they added Buddy Heald, if you could run a pick-and-roll with somebody else and get Buddy Heald open on the side and Tobias Harris, it opens up the, f- opens up the court for everybody, and it gives them an opportunity. And again, Maxi's the starting point guard, so it's not like he's going to have to play 30, 35 minutes. If you can get him at 20 to 22 minutes— and make a difference with the second unit again for 2.8 it's a steal i think for the sixers
0: yeah you you mentioned the dirty work that he does um not as in that he's a dirty player i know no, it's not, not what at you are insinuating not not but just to clarify here um but yeah he he he's down to take the defensive assignment as best he can he's a little older now he's 37 about to turn 38 at the beginning of, or at the end of march next year wow this year, he's I'm just sorry. a
1: little younger than LeBron. i did not realize he was that old <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, but the one thing that I want to add to about his like grit and grime is that for us, he's, he's listed as exactly six feet. So whether that's rounding up or that's not plays, he averages his career over four rebounds a game in his first career. Uh, and even at this late in his career, he's averaging three and a half. So he's down to get down there and, uh, and try to, he's not just the guy that's sitting out waiting for a leak out. He's not the guy that's Oh, get the rebound. Then give me the ball. He'll go in there and fight, fight for, for even something as rebounding as small as he is. So. I think it's a nice, it's a nice pickup. I truly was hoping to get him, uh, but I didn't, you know, realize all these damn connections that he has with Philly. So we were definitely out of the
1: uh, out of contention. The there. perfect comp for him, now that I think about it, because I said Pat Bev, but better. He's basically Derek Fisher, because that's how Derek Fisher was. When mm, he was on the Lakers. He that's a great, charges, that's a great. comp. hit big shots late, played solid defense in moments and spurts when you needed it, but didn't wasn't the main guy. I think that's exactly what he is. He's the he, Derek Fisher of our generation at this point. Even slightly better because he does a lot more than Fisher did, but Fish also played with Kobe. It's kind of hard to do a lot more when you got Kobe on your team.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He uh he's listed at six one two hundred, Lowry's at uh six foot one ninety-six. So yeah, they're pretty much the same size There you team.
1: go. All right, that makes sense. <laughs> great, great,
0: great, great uh comparison there. Someone who's not as uh, big but definitely as tall. Uh Tyrese Halliburton. Oof. Uh the, the Pacers have been doing work. They did make some trades at the deadline. Uh letting go a buddy healed, but they have plenty of um. Plenty of players, and really, I think I know that they played like maybe the two and the three, respectively. But I think a lot of time they want to give the Pascal Pascal Siakam. They want him on the court a lot more, uh, for good reason. He's a great player, not necessarily the three point sniper that Buddy Healed is. But um, but this is about Halliburton either way. So I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good. But speaking of Pascal, you found a clip that was pretty sweet.
1: Oh man, I saw this play and I figured we had to at least show it to everybody because it, it not only did the play remind me of a Kobe play, they talked about. It was on the same day that Kobe made this kind of play at the Madison Square Garden against the Knicks as well. So, we're going to go ahead and show you this highlight of Halliburton's assist, which is out of this world. Look at that. Halliburton. 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 Creative. He jumps in the air knew he was in trouble and in order to protect himself and traveling with the ball he threw the ball
0: off the backboard watch he gets in the air knows he's in trouble could have shot it got it out Siakam in that right corner knocks down his next three they appreciate that play Basically, the backboard has become like a sixth player for some people. It's <laughs> very right. much has. Like, it's just you got to pass it to him, menor- when you're stuck though, hey, that's the smart play—not just stand there and freak out. Not that he would freak out, but you know what I mean. Not, or be stuck in the paint, right, yeah. and have you know something called go up for a block, get it stolen, something like that. It's just a very, very smart play, and. It worked out to where he threw it a little hard for himself to try to put it back, but it was a perfect pass to the corner.
1: Hey, whatever gets the the ball in the bucket, whether you have to use, like you said, use the backboard as a six-man at that point, you can throw it off the board to yourself and pass it to somebody in the corner who, again, as a point guard, you know where everybody is, at least Halliburton, especially his more assists and way down on the turnovers this year. Let him do his thing, man. He'll league in assists. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. Yeah, I think it's eleven point three or eleven point
0: six assists per game. Yeah, dude, he's doing work, and the crazy part is he can score too. Yeah, I, I, let me look up to see what he's averaging. But he's not like he's not like a Chris Paul right now, where he's like, you know, oh well, we'll see kind of what he's doing. Yeah, no, uh, he's got to play.
1: He's got to be averaging probably close to twenty points, I would think, if not over at this point because he's just... okay so he's this year's 22.1 and 11.7 assists
0: per game went up yeah. more
1: so say he has 11 assists a game on average and they're two points each that's 22 points plus his 22 so he's averaging combined between the two 44 or more because some of those assists obviously would be three point threes yeah like the one you saw. that's some good that's, yeah, some that's, good that's good pretty work.
0: crazy Real quick, on last thing on Halliburton before we move on, I'm just looking at this. According to basketball reference, his career player efficiency rating, which is all of his seasons added up, are 20.3. This oh. year is 25.7. He is just killing it. Damn. He's killing it this year. And good for him. I, I hope that that injury that he sustained, I know he's back now, but I hope it goes away. I hope yeah. that it doesn't it's like go. Uh, no, don't pull a Debo Samuel and, you know, kind of, kind of trigger it again yeah That's absolutely well
1: thankfully with. the all-star breaks here shortly too so i will give him some time to kind of recuperate a little bit more and take some time off
0: one of those people that is doing a fun event in the all-star game is steph curry him and company faced off against these Suns in uh i was going to say oracle at the <laughs> chase center in San Francisco this past Saturday night. What a freaking game, dude. I missed (sighs) most of it. I got to see just basically the only part that mattered, which was the last shot of the game. Um, But you got to watch it, right?
1: Yeah, since the conference i was working in was so slow, I was able to go into the store while my staff was working and kind of work on some side projects. But I had my phone going and watched about, I think, the last five or six minutes. And it was a great back and forth. Uh, KD had 24, 10 rebounds, 7 assists. Booker had thirty two, four rebounds, 6 assists. Steph had 30 points, nine rebounds, sixes. But the thing was he – that game-winning three in the last, I think, three and a half seconds when they inbounded it. And now we have to show it. Yeah, we will here in one second. But before we show it, not only is it the shot that he makes, it's the pass from Pachemski. He throws the ball to him, but it's not a straight-on pass. He can see that Beal is reading the screen and going to come out. So he throws it farther out almost, so Steph has to be able to reach for it. Almost – well, they called it on NBA Today a pirouette, but it almost looks like a drop step where he's reaching out and just grabbing and spinning. We have to check out this replay. It is nuts. So good.
0: Jemski has it. Here come the screens. Curry comes free, gets the ball, puts up a three-pointer. Bang! Steph Curry nails the three-pointer with
1: seven tenths of a second remaining!
0: The magnificence of Steph Curry once again on display how about that pass if it was not that far behind Curry Beal had a chance to steal it it was so close so now with seven tenths of a second remaining Phoenix it's it's pretty much catch-and-shoot you can catch turn-and-shoot well Kevin Durant certainly has seen this from his former teammate Oh, Oof, chills, bro. Not even a Warriors fan, but what a shot! Although to your to the point about getting it out, great pass, right? And the cr- cool part that you have to remember is that there is no distance that limits Steph Curry. No. The only thing is basically other baseline out of bounds. That's pretty much the only. Way. If he's standing out of bounds, that's the only place that you can't he can't make a shot from this court. So yeah. putting it a little bit farther than the three point line means absolutely nothing to him. Great placement, great shot.
1: And Steph it's talked great about game. it, actually, post-game. He said that, you know, Pochemsky threw him a great pass, and at that point he said it's just muscle memory for him to shoot. It doesn't matter where he is on the floor, to your point. He shoots all that stuff during warm-up. He shoots from half-court. He shoots from the tunnel back in the day. I don't know if he still does that at Chase Center, but at Oracle he used to shoot mm-hmm. from the tunnel before he ran into the locker room. Like he, His range is unmatched. Like, there's no- hideous, the court. Yeah, basically, if he's on – like you said, if he's on the court and inbounds – he can make the shot regardless of where it's from. <laughs> this is just yeah, or point.
0: have a higher percentage than the entire rest of the league. Oh, combined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, couldn't agree more. So he made nine threes this game. It was just basically on fire and has been lately. I saw a stat actually that I think is extremely surprising. I'm gonna go backwards because it's just this this insane. So there's they have like a top five list of the people in NBA history who have uh, went through games where they've made eight or more three pointers now mind you that is freaking 20 uh what is that 24 eight points alone 20 24 points alone based on just three pointers okay so number of people who have made eight or more in a game, okay? Actually, bottom of the list, I was kind of surprised to see his name, but then not surprising at the same time. J.R. Smith has had 14 games where he's made wow. eight or more threes. That's that's pretty freaking crazy because the other people on top of this list don't belong in the same category as J.R. Smith.
1: Yeah, but if you think about and I'm it, giving that to J.R. Smith is one of those guys, if he gets hot, he gets hot. So I could see him doing it a I'll few times, just, but 14, yeah. that is a lot for J.R. Smith.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, fourth on the list is James Harden with 22. Mm-hmm. So a nice big jump up there. Uh, third on the list is Curry's brother. Well, not literal, but uh, <laughs> Splash uh, with Clay, Clay Thompson's had 24 instances where he's made eight or more threes. This are just insane numbers, right? Dude. And second is, is Lillard, which obviously we saved Curry for first. But Lillard is second with 29, almost 30 freaking games with eight or yeah, more three-pointers. That is nuts. But you know what's more nuts? Steph Curry's number. After this past Saturday, Steph Curry now has 80 games of eight or more three-pointers in a single game. 80 such instances of making eight or more threes. Dude is just electric. He's the best shooter ever. Uh, I mean, to have a drop-off be 51 games is...
1: And that's nuts. not only that, like none of these guys behind him are young or going to be in the league for much longer. Like J.R. Smith's already out of the league. Harden's at the back end. Clay, as we talked about, is struggling to even survive and play in most games. And Lillard is over 30, I think, 32 or 33 as well. So these guys are getting older. There's no way anybody's going to ever catch Curry. This is just astronomical numbers. The most threes made in a career. He's going to just continuously add it. I don't know if he's hit the 4000 mark yet, but if he hasn't, it's very close. And he's going to be the only one to ever do it for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, because all the other great three-point shooters are all retired. Ray yeah. Allen and uh Reggie Miller. Now, you know, I think that the game is moving to threes, but I still don't know if anybody makes no. shoots them, let alone makes them at this at the rate that this guy does. The no. clip that Steph shoots is just insane. So, absolutely. Wow. That was a crazy stat I thought I would just had to talk about. 80 and the next closest person is 29. Like <laughs> wow. That's crazy, bro. Um but this was definitely a rematch. The the last time that these teams met, there was a lot of controversy oh, yeah. around it and it all really started and centered around Draymond Green. This was the beginning of the Draymond Green suspension after he basically just decided to punch Nurkic in the face. Uh, but there's a little bit more that happened uh, in their first meeting back. Take it from here, man.
1: Okay, so, you know, Nurkic and him kind of in the first half a little like not tussle, but kind of push back and forth, a little bit of chatter. Whatever, no big deal. You know, Draymond didn't get out of control or no tees were thrown. Then in the third quarter, I think uh, Nurkic gets Draymond on a one on one in the post. He backs him in, gets a little hook shot. And as the ball is out of bounds and Draymond and them are going inbound, Nurkic does that whole, oh, he's too small thing, slaps the floor, makes a big old ordeal about it. They come down. I don't know if it's, I feel like it was the next play, if not two or three plays later. Draymond comes down, gets the same thing. He gets him in the post, backs him in, makes a layup on him. And then Draymond does the same thing, too small at him. But then. After the game is over, Nurkic in the locker room is getting uh, talked to the press, and he talks about how you know all that stuff I said about Draymond deserves a chance and everything. I take that all back. He doesn't deserve a chance, and but we're gonna play the clip of him explaining it first, and then we're gonna react. But it's just very strange to me. Okay, check it out.
0: No, uh, obviously Dre, obviously Dre. uh, This is the first time you had seen him since what happened in that last game. Maybe just maybe
1: take me through how that went tonight. I mean, it's sad. He didn't learn anything,
0: man.
1: It's just a matter of time. He's going to knock somebody else again. So take everything back what I said. You, know, you don't deserve a chance. So that's that's it for me. When you,
0: when you say that, I mean, what do you feel like he was doing tonight that just that told you that, that nothing has changed? Just antics. Try to people. The, the stuff he shouldn't
1: do. But I don't care, you know, at the end of the day they try to play that way. But no one worried about them. They got to win tonight. Let's see what happens to them in a few games in one month or so.
0: No one worried about them. Don't say no more. Okay. Lastly, um, just the matchup in terms of them going small, how do you feel like you fared in that?
1: We, we have a new team making new players and try to implement, you know, just play, play the
0: right way. Um, miss a lot of shots that we can make and usually make. Felt like we didn't, you know, bend the team for the last few weeks, whatever. But um, it's just one game, man. Then the next page, we have two more before break, and a couple days before then, the games, so and just bring in, watch some film,
1: practice, and go from there. Going, no you know, to say it's NBA, another game soon.
0: I I don't even know what to make of it. To be honest with you, I uh, I I try not to take a side. I'm definitely not on the side of the guy who punched somebody. Yeah, that's but. Me. I mean, Nurkic needs to just like, bro, like. You can't. React. You started the Too Small gesture. Exactly.
1: Right? You can't react and poke the bear. And then when they react back to you, be like, oh, yeah, that was stupid. They shouldn't have done. Like, you literally started it in a sense at that point and made it a deal. And, you know, I think I saw Boogie Cousins and Rondo were on a podcast with Rachel Nichols, I think, uh, today or yesterday, talking about this. And. Cousins had the best way to describe it, basically saying that you can't start a fight with somebody, and then when they react back, go tell the principal on them. Like that's basically what he facts <laughs> That's like, a good way to put it, you yeah. poke that's the bear true. and they react, and then you get mad that they reacted to you, like what, what do you expect? You can't poke and then just be like, oh, thanks. Don't worry about it. Let me just do whatever I want, especially Draymond. Like yes, what- that's not going to happen
0: yeah he also did a really over the top you're too small gesture like there's the different ones where somebody puts their hand down and then you walk away or even leave it there or but he like put it there put like two hands there slapped the floor sat on the floor fucking spun around did like some break dancing (laughs) like dude was like being a lot extra with his too small gesture too so again if he would have done like a small one and then moved on and then draymond blew it up okay you know yeah maybe draymond took it a little too far again i don't think it took it too far you didn't get punched in the face did you all right yeah. Uh, Draymond didn't take it too far at all. Um, but the dude, you you're the one you really really had to emphasize how far down and smashing the floor and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. I don't feel bad. I felt bad for you at first with the with the punch. I don't feel bad for you on this one. Not at all.
1: Yep. I'm agree more. Couldn't agree more. Okay, a couple of last notes before we get out of the NBA. Uh, not a huge thing, but just because of the first ones to do it. Unfortunately, the Celtics were the first team to get to for 40 wins over the weekend. They actually got their 41st oh. yesterday oh. against Miami. So Sorry, um, I'm throwing up. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, they are an NBA best twenty-five and three at home. The three losses at home were to Denver, I believe, by a last-second shot or by two points at the end. They got murdered by the Clippers, and the Lakers were able to go in there without LeBron and without AD and beat them as well. So, again, first team to forty-plus wins before the All-Star break. But just another note, just to think about. And then the other one before we head out, which actually before tonight, it was the Cavs had won seventeen of eighteen, but they lost to Philly tonight. So they have won seventeen Ooh. of their last nineteen games. Um, In that time span, like we mentioned, they lost to the Sixers tonight. They lost to the Bucs once. Also did beat the Bucs twice during the same stretch. And they did beat the Clippers in Cleveland as well. So Cleveland has finally gotten healthy and finally figured some things out. Uh, Even though they lost tonight, they did lose, I think, by two to Philly. So it was a close game. But, again, without Embiid being in there, I think that kind of changes the dynamics of Philly and and what they're doing. But the Cavs are for real in the Eastern Conference. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get to the conference finals or even win anything. But they're going to be a hard out in the playoffs, regardless of who they get matched up with.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. I think that their combination of um, the two guards with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, but then that's not the only thing that they really excel at. They have good big guys too. You know, the defensive guy and the big rebounder with Jared Allen. Now, granted, he looks a little bit taller with his Afro, but still, <laughs> he's big. And then, and then the somewhat you know young Evan Mobley coming out of uh, SC. Yep. That dude. They have a really, really good team, and it's fairly deep as well. So um, I think it's great, and they're being coached well right now. So I think it's. uh, I think they look good. They look good. I'd I'd love for them to come out. Shoot.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. As long as it's as long as it's not the Clippers or the Celtics in the final. I'm good with anybody else at this point.
0: It'd be worse (laughs) if it was the both. Yeah. Yeah. For real. All right, back to the baseball diamond. Uh, because that's basically the Ooh. season that has started here. Obviously, we've been in basketball season, but baseball is up next. Um, pitchers and catchers report in just a couple of days. So excited to see all the happenings. Blake Snell still has not signed anywhere, but we will see what goes on. That's crazy is, to think um, that the Rain Cy Young Award winner is not anywhere. There is some but.
1: talk of uh, Philly being a dark horse there for that. So let's keep an eye on oh, that. That's plays. all they need is more <laughs> help. Yep. All right. Oh, good for them.
0: Anybody but the Dodgers, I guess, so. exactly. and the Yankees. Well, unless the yeah. Dodgers
1: get him and he defers all the money, then they can sign whoever the hell they want. But let's hope that doesn't happen this time.
0: <laughs> that's their favorite thing to do, though, so don't put it past them.
1: Well, I hope their fans try to defer money for beer costs because that's going to be crazy this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, can they just write a bunch of IOUs? They'll pay you back in 10 <laughs> yeah. years without the inflation? No no inflation costs Oh, my in. God, that'd be
1: hilarious. <laughs>
0: A couple of the teams though doing some stuff uh rays actually uh signing manager kevin cash and their president eric neander uh they get new contracts um that's that's great they they're one of the organizations that does a lot with a little yes. and kevin cash knows exactly what he's doing i do think that he pulled speaking of blake snell i think he pulled blake snell too early in that dodgers uh, world series but six yeah I don't. Uh, I try not to relive that.
1: So. Yeah, it's a 37% title anyway, so I don't want to worry about it. But yeah, Kevin Cash True. and Neander both get uh, new deals. They haven't put out the details of how long, but the, the talk is it'll be beyond the 2028 season, which is when the Rays are supposedly supposed to be moving into a new stadium in St. Petersburg area, which will be nice because if they get mm-hmm. a new stadium and the A's get a new stadium, everybody will have at least up to date subpar uh, parks to play in compared to the trashes of that they both play in now especially Oakland that place needs to be just burnt down at this point um but they had the rays have made like you said they they would make do a lot with very little spending uh they've been in five consecutive playoff appearances i think last year with them in baltimore went back and forth battling for the best record in the al and ultimately ended up as a wild card team and losing to texas which ultimately won the world series so can't be mad about yeah, that. Not bad. Uh Neander has been with the team. I think I read since 2007 or 2008. He started as an intern and kind of worked his way up the system and now is the president of baseball operations. Uh Cash was a member of Tor- uh Terry Franco's uh, coaching staff in uh Cleveland for two years before he took over for the rays back I think that was 20- Francona, sorry. Francona thank you um I think he uh, has been there for since 2017 the first couple years they didn't make the playoffs but again five straight years they've made it they've been in the World Series that they ultimately lost to the Dodgers again 37 percent of a season so we'll talk about the details <laughs> of it but yep. in the last five <laughs> years that they have been uh, really good the Rays have the fourth most wins at 421 in all of baseball so they're doing something right down in St Petersburg. And I mean, props for them to bring in the guys back and, and making sure that they keep them happy and then not letting them go into a lame duck year. And the, the last year, of their deals next year.
0: Uh, and I couldn't agree more. They're doing a lot with a little. I just looked it up right now. Rays, both last year and this year, spend the 27th oh most. As in, there's only three teams that spend less than them. One of them was actually a playoff team. So you can't really hate on that. But that's because they've had a, a decade of bad, um, I am a bad, mind. not luck, I would say. No, the Orioles, oh. the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, they've been a new So race, the Pirates, so makes sense. Pirates are 28, Orioles are 29, and the A's are 30. Yeah. That was last year. This year, the Rays also, again, sit at 27, Pirates 28, Marlins at 29, ah. and again, the, the A's at oh, 30.
1: They're so, such a bad franchise to be run by Fisher and them. They need to get that out of there. Yeah, yeah. so uh, again,
0: they basically pay nobody and do a lot with it. Uh, Good for them. Good for them. It's the exact opposite of the uh,
1: Dodgers. (laughs) Let's hope that continues that (laughs) way.
0: There are some spendings going along, though, for players. The Reds have recently signed a two-year deal worth $8.8 million with second baseman Jonathan India. India is his last name. That's not the country he is from. Correct. He is uh, $3.8 million are going to be in 2024, $5 million in 2025, also has about two and a half million dollars in incentives added in.
1: Uh,
0: I mean, Reds, Reds did pretty well last year. They made a late push to try to get in. They got Ellie De La Cruz. Exactly. Adding this is pretty good, no?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He was the 2021 Rookie of the Year. Uh, they basically are trying to get this deal done so they avoid arbitration for the next two seasons so it gets taken care of a little bit, give him some incentives because, again, the Reds don't spend a ton of money, but they do spend a decent amount. And, yeah, they were competitive last year for the most part. Ellie De La Cruz is one of the most exciting names in baseball. Uh, going into the season, and uh, I'm excited to see what the Reds can do and hopefully cause some havoc in the uh, NL Central.
0: The boring NL Central, yes, 100%. 100%. Hopefully they make it not so boring. (laughs) Uh, Somebody who we are – a name that we kind of not grew up with, it was more – because you know sometimes pitchers and relievers don't really last that long, so I wouldn't say it's someone we grew up with, but someone we've grown accustomed to seeing – Closing pitcher, or no, he wait, I thought he closed. Corey Kluber? No,
1: he was a starter, at least initially. He might have turned into oh, a reliever okay. the last year or so, but he was a starter because he gotcha. has two Cy Youngs. He actually won with Cleveland when he was with them. Okay.
0: Yeah, so he's uh, he's officially calling it quits. Great pitcher, though. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, like I mentioned, two Cy Youngs, 2014 and 17, when he was with Cleveland. Uh, he was on the team when they went to the World Series in 2016 and ultimately lost to the Cubs. Uh, during that playoff run, he had... Uh, one point eight ER r one point three e r a, uh, thirty five strikeouts and eight walks and thirty four innings over the six starts during that playoff run, um, and he's the only nice. pitcher in Cleveland history to have won multiple Cy Youngs. So, not necessarily a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but a very good uh, pitcher in his run there in, in Cleveland. And you know, the last couple of years in Boston or so, he's kind of just been, you know, pitching here and there and not as great. But you know, at the end of the day, a great career when it's all said and done, and just short of a World Series title, losing Game Seven to the Cubs.
0: Yeah. Well that Cubs team was I mean inevitable in my opinion. Yeah. I had gone to I had gone to um Chicago that year and they were just they were on a roll. There was a lot of excitement in Chicago around the stadium, around the ballpark there, and it was uh it was almost inevitable, but uh still great run. Great run.
1: Good for him. Yep. And uh one last baseball note before uh, we get out of here is uh, Keep it in the shy. Yeah, I, was saying, I don't know. Again, this is a lot of stadiums get talked about and don't end up happening, but the White Sox have reportedly uh, proposed a new stadium in the South Loops, uh, seventy the 78 area, which is a, a specific neighborhood they want to build this in and kind of build up. Uh, they released renderings on Wednesday of last week talking about where they're going to do it. It's going to be all kind of on the water, on the river. Um, this would be the first stadium for the White Sox. I think they've been in Guaranteed Rate Field, or formerly known as Kaminsky Park, or US Cellular, since 1991. Yeah. So this, but the lease for that stadium is set to end in 2028. Uh, now, this hasn't been approved or anything yet. This still has to go through the city and get voted on, and the governor has to be involved. But the new ballpark would be about two and a half miles north of where they're located now, and move them a little closer to downtown. Um, again, the big it's part-
0: a stretch, bro, to get to that, to get to that field. It's a yeah that 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 train all the way down i mean, I guess you could drive and there's, there's train all the way down walk else. across a freeway there's
1: <laughs> nothing else there either it is literally all by itself my dad and i when we went we found uh, a restaurant or actually i guess technically it's just a bar down the street and it's like the oldest bar in America, and it was open during Prohibition. They had like a back room that they would serve through and stuff. Yeah, it was cool. it was a really cool old school bar. Um, but yeah, there's not a whole lot else around that area. It's kind of a, a broken down area in a sense. So they want to build this it's pretty shady. Bro. Yeah, they yeah. want to build this new park and get a kind of build up the area and create a bunch of jobs and and uh, financial advantage for the city. But again, the governor said that taxpayer dollars are precious, and so the question really is: Is what benefit financially are they bringing fiscally to the state and the city? and to the county. So a lot of things and loopholes that need to be taken care of to even get this taken care of and and solved. But again, it's something hopefully in the step of the right direction. And as you're watching on YouTube, we'll show a couple of the picture of the renderings of what they're expecting it to look like. Looks like another great park, but again, uh, not too massive and crazy and big. It's not like these football stadiums where they're just massive and 60,000, 70,000 people. It's a pretty small, basic park, but again, trying to build up more of the area around where the stadium would be
0: three things one if you're not watching on youtube that's okay if you listen to us on apple or spotify that's great we appreciate you but if you ever want to check out some of the things like cory said the renderings of the pictures of the uh, p- potential stadium go check us out on youtube just search rv from the bench second thing i went to us cellular field too it wasn't that bad it was kind of nice i mean i know 1991 was a long time ago but they seem to have kept up with it now granted i went in 2015, I think okay. it was. So that's been again another nine years. Um, but if, to me, it wasn't that bad. I mean, if you just keep it up. Now the area around it, I'll give it to you. That wasn't bad. But they had like a four-story team store, and mm-hmm. they had like all the Chicago teams there. Like it was pretty, like nice for for it looked from the outside. Definitely didn't have any of the history, but looked from the outside nicer than Wrigley, to be honest. Yep. So. Um, and then the third thing, this is why I love Stan Kroenke, because I couldn't agree more. As much as I love sports, it should not be my job or Corey's job to fund billionaires' stadiums. Yep. Okay. Um, this is what I love about Kroenke is that he said, fine, or even about, as much as I hate to say it, even about Ballmer. Mm-hmm. Ballmer said, fine, I'll do it. No worries. I'll pay for it. And that's exactly what they should do to my, in, in my opinion. So I'm kind of with the – you said it was governor
1: uh, uh, of Illinois. The, the mayor, of like- think, of Chicago.
0: Oh, okay, so I'm I'm kind of with him on that as well in saying that, you know, we shouldn't just be like, oh, they want to yeah, go ahead and just spend billions of dollars because that's kind of what it takes to make these fields. Uh, granted, it's not as big as a football field, yeah. but it still takes a lot of money to, to kind of make it. And there could be – there's plenty of other programs. Shoot, even one that we try to talk about on this show now, mental health stuff that we that could be doing. Mm-hmm. The city of Chicago is not running great. It's not all wheels are, you know, chugging along and everything's greased up, ready to go chicago's a rough spot yep. you know so there's plenty of other places that the money could be spent so i kind of agree with that um so yeah i just wanted to throw these three those three points out
1: yep couldn't agree more like you said billionaires shouldn't be asking us to pay for the stadiums that they're going to use and make money off of build it yourself and then yeah, a- we're going to go spend it there. yeah exactly but <laughs> build it yourself yeah cronkey did the right yeah. thing Bombers doing the right thing by building into a dome i think it's the best way to do it and this isn't how it used to be back in the day where all the cities would just cave to these teams. There's no longer money to just say, oh, screw it. Let's just throw it out there and see what happens. There's a lot more thought process yeah. through it. And again, that's why the Chargers aren't in San Diego anymore because the city down there said, no, we're not building you a new stadium. Like, you want one? Build good. it yourself. And ultimately, they ended up renting one from the Rams instead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, good old uh, good old Chargers ownership. What's his name? The he's the worst. Yeah. He's a great geek. Hey, you know what? Maybe a tad better than uh, the A's ownership uh, group. Yeah,
1: they do spend money and try to win, but they're also still cheap around the edges of like, coaching for a long time until Harbaugh, they decided to spend some money for the first time. But that's also because you're in the L.A. market now. People aren't going to take you seriously if you don't spend real.
0: Yeah, well, at least they're not like the Cardinals where they charge their own players at the vending machines yeah, and they have to <laughs> lunch and shit. Jeez, bro, how embarrassing. Oh, man. So well, that, was, that was a good one, man. Not quite the marathon we've been used to lately, but to be honest with you, you know, there's uh, I love talking about the football stuff, and we're right in that middle spot where not everything is heating up yet. So uh, I thought it was still a great episode, plenty, always, plenty to talk about.
1: Always a great episode. What are you talking about? Every
0: episode we have is fantastic amen my friend amen <laughs> we're not even done mm-hmm. of course we're not done not we gotta leave you guys with some, some knowledge I remember last week you were referencing when I talked about this we always end an episode with either a history uh, piece or some sort of random fact you told me you had a good one coming up so maybe we should get into MILF Monday
1: let's do it I cannot believe a fine woman like this produced a guy like stiff Ooh, I took some MILF what the hell is that M-I-L-F.
0: Man, I love facts. <laughs> yeah, hey guys, no, you
1: guys. No. Milk. Hey. Woo.
0: Yeah. All right, man. You said you were going to bring it this week with some interesting facts. Tell me something I haven't heard before.
1: So I saw this happen last week. I think it was a college or high school game that it happened in, and I didn't know the rule, so I had to look it up. And it is baseball-related since we're getting ready for uh, spring training to start here and pitchers and catchers reporting on Thursday. Um, so we, if you're a baseball fan, you know the rule for pitchers is known as a bock, which when that happens, every runner on base gets to move to the next base regardless of how many people are on or whatever. I did not know that catchers, it's not technically called a catcher's balk in the rule book, but there is a rule that if you're a catcher, like say the pitcher throws a ball in the dirt and it drops, most catchers usually take off their mask or their helmet to see the ball easier where it is, grab it with their glove or grab it with their bare hand. Well, apparently you also, part of the rule is you cannot use any piece of your uniform or equipment to save the ball or trap it from moving. And what happened was, is this catcher used his mask that he took off so he could see to grab the ball and pull it back towards him, which is a infraction. You cannot do that. And essentially, it is a catcher's balk. So all the runners moved to the next oh, base. Wow. Now, I didn't know if this was something that maybe was just a minor league thing, but I looked it up. It does ha- It is a rule in the MLB, and the last time I could find it happening was actually in 2001, uh, 2021, I'm sorry, in August when the Giants were in Arizona playing the Diamondbacks, and the catcher, as you can see on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, Kurt Casale used his mask to stop a ball in the dirt, therefore committing an extremely rare catcher's bock and forcing all the runners to move over to the next base. Did not know that wow, was wow, No, I never
0: knew that anything like that existed. I've seen exactly what you're talking about, but 99% of the time they pick it up with their glove, they put their glove down on the thing and then it's in their mitt, right? because exactly. it's pretty, you know, pressure right there. Wow, so catcher, so it's not just you know, leading off the bag or you know, pretending to go somewhere and then and then uh, pretending to pitch and then go into first. That's not all that's bought. Huh? No, wow. wow. You definitely brought it this week, bro. That was something I never heard. And
1: apparently this rule not only affects to the catcher, it's for everybody on the field. Like if you're an infielder, you can't take off your hat to grab a ball and pull it oh. next to you either. So it's not just the catcher, but it just happens to be more of a Bach in the moment because it's not a live play. Like the ball's not hit into play when it happens. It's a, it's a pass ball or a ball in the dirt, and the catcher's trying to grab it. So technically the rule is – no player can use any part of their uniform or equipment to save for their glove, to trap, catch, move, or in any other way, intentionally manipulate the ball. That is the official rule. Of wow. M&D.
0: I feel like there's a baseball movie where somebody saves a home run by catching it with their hat or something like
1: that. Oh, this. well, yeah. movie. That's not think of no, what it different. is on this
0: time. Well, I'm just saying like, get it right. Well, you know, gosh, don't you know about this? Movies ball?
1: always <laughs> have small details that they kind of
0: stretch a little bit. So
1: True, true. Well
0: that dude dude, that one is that one's crazy. You definitely had me on that one. I was expecting to like nope, I heard of that one. Sorry, Corey. Heard of that one before. No, not new. Yeah, definitely definitely had not. Yeah, you got me on that one. That's for (laughs) sure. That's for sure. Yeah, we definitely uh have these facts. Sometimes Corey brings it like this. Sometimes we may have heard it before, but most of the facts that he has are pretty abstract, to be honest with you. If you want to catch more of them, feel free to check out any of our Monday or early week episodes. We try to obviously keep it on Monday to fit with Milk Monday. Uh but we also have on Thursdays we got some history stuff. If you ever want to find them, where can they do that,
1: man? Yeah, if you want to listen to the audio version only on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or if you'd like to, like Brenda mentioned, watch us on YouTube and see the uh you know, screens that we put up or the videos we show, you can just search us uh, on all three platforms, uh, our view from the bench.
0: Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram or X if if that's what you call it. Again, I really am going to be looking to try to get more active in that. I'm trying to get into it. I'm not a huge social media. We we were kind of the generation after social media. we were into social media. We have it, right? But we weren't the generation that kind of blew up on Correct. it. So, uh, but feel free to please follow us there as well at our view FTB. <sighs> it's Monday. Super Bowl is over. Football is on a large break. How's the rest of your week looking, man?
1: Honestly, not a whole lot going on. Uh, I'm working just day shifts the next few days. uh I am working UFC, the fight at Honda Center on Saturday. So that'll be a long day for me. Uh, we have the press conference on Thursday, the weigh in on Friday, which we'll be selling merch at one stand for each of those. And then Saturday nice. is going to be crazy. We're going to have two different locations in the parking lot, we're going to have all five stands in the arena. So it's going to be a long day of UFC and selling merch for me. But other than that, I'm just trying to get through the next chill couple days of day shifts before the madness begins on Saturday. What about you, sir? Have you guys ever had a UFC yeah, uh, I
0: think at the hottest is this that you've worked mean? This
1: is the second one I've worked. I believe this might be the third or fourth we've had at the building in general. I know back when I was working part-time and, we were a third party vendor we weren't doing the merch uh, for the big concerts or events it was Brock Lesnar versus somebody i don't remember who Ooh, but when they did the weigh in yeah. they did it outside the old team store and lesnar had to walk through the team store to get out there i have never seen a bigger man in my life he looked like a bear <laughs> i was just like my jaw probably hit the floor looking at him walk by like oh my God, oh, that that's a
0: human. <laughs> that is just
1: a monster of a person. So, uh, but yeah, this will be the second one I've worked. And I think the third or fourth they've had at the arena in general.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I got a pretty, pretty low key week at work like normal. Um, quick update on our show after I explain it. But yeah, just Valentine's Day, Wednesday. So me and the wife, are going to Disneyland, going to spend the entire day there, took the day off for that. Nice. Uh, other than that, just try to relax, get through the work week. Uh, but this does kind of bring us to a, a quick note. We're going to take uh, – I guess you can call it a week or so off right now. Uh, we're going to skip the Thursday episode because there's a lot going on for me. And then we're going to skip the Monday episode next week because – Corey, you have
1: what? WWE? WWE Raw will be on Monday at the Honda Center. And I will, that show is, it, it's early because it's a live on the East Coast thing. So I think the show starts at 4 30. But by the time I get out of there, it'll be 10 30, 11 o'clock. And it'll be a little too late for us to be recording. So yeah, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, the NBA All Star weekend is this weekend. So we'll recap all that when we come back on Thursday. I believe that is the 22nd. 22nd,
0: yeah, yeah. So make sure you catch our episode there. Taking a small hiatus just because we got a handful of things going on right here. And it's honestly kind of the perfect time. Super Bowl's over. NBA All Star break, so there's not a lot of games going on besides training and that stuff. Talk is in the middle of it, Spring, just getting started. So it's kind of the perfect time to kind of take a couple episodes, but we'll be back on Thursday with plenty to talk about because we've dude, we've been finding stuff to talk about with only days in advance, and this one we're going to have over a week's worth of information. So There'll be, so be much ready break for news the episode between
1: now and then. We're going to miss it all because we've taken the time off. Watch, I know it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. If we, if we have to do an emergency episode if we, to cover something huge, we will do so. We definitely don't want to leave you guys without the information, but uh, which the plan is to be back on the 27th. Which is
1: another reason to make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our platforms, so that way if we do have an emergency episode that comes up, you get the notification that is there for you to listen to or watch. Great, uh, great, great point. Hit that notification bell. Again,
0: it's free. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, other than that, we appreciate you always joining us here. Uh, Thank you, as always, for seeing things from our view from the bench. I'm Brendan. And
1: I'm Corey. Like we always say, enjoy the sports until we talk again. Peace. Chiefs kingdom. (laughs) Stand up. This was a Sycamore 4th Studios production.